Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another week of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Packed Monday show today. Lots to get to from the weekend. I don't know what should we talk. Maybe Raptors, Jays, Moose, Ice. Well, we'll certainly get to uh, some Winnipeg Jets talk coming up in uh, in a little bit as well. Joe Piscucci is going to join us in about 20 minutes or so on the program. And we'll also have Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press on the program. Uh, we don't play a ton of clips on this show normally. Today's going to be a little different because, honest to God, we heard some of the most damning uh, comments post-game on both Friday and Saturday that I can ever remember with the Winnipeg Jets. So we'll get into some of those as well. And very much looking forward to what uh, both Joe and Jeff have to say on the current topic. And of course, with Jeff coming on, we haven't had him on the program since the horrible revelations of the charges against Kelsey McKay last week. Um, we'll definitely have to touch on that with Hammer as well coming up a little later on. A big shout out to the sponsors that make this program happen each and every day, including Wallace & Wallace, our newest sponsor, Aikens Lake, Wilderness Lodge, F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our friends over at Cool Bet Canada. Let's get Michael Remus into the program and get this show on the road. Remo, first of all, how was your uh, how was your long weekend? How how was the dinosaur extravaganza on Friday that you've been talking about for months? I was so hyped for that. Uh, it was uh, it was a lot. It was a lot, but uh, I got definitely got my steps in. Uh, my son, he's two and a half. Very blown away by the number and size of the dinosaurs there. Just kept pointing and running from station to station. We didn't do. You could pay them more money if you wanted to, like go on rides and and stuff and bouncy castles. We did not spring for that but i had a great time great long weekend it was passover so i had a couple family dinners as well you know, easter brunch as well so jam-packed with family activities so that was fun and yeah we had a couple jets games <laughs> squeezed it in there and you know that was going to be a topic at many <laughs> at many dinners <laughs> on the weekend yeah, the uh, now Pat, whether you're you're gathering for Passover on Saturday earlier or the uh, the Easter dinners last night, yes, I'm sure there was a lot of people gathering around the table and going, "What the hell has happened to the Winnipeg Jets?" Um, yeah. Hey, listen, I mean, we've been talking for a week uh, or many many weeks here. I mean, I think everyone knew what was happening with this hockey club and where they were going. And if you were someone that was hanging on to a sub 1% um, chance of making the playoffs, I uh, definitely respect your ability to be positive in the face of overwhelming evidence to the contrary. Um, but I'll tell you this, Remus, and I think I said this to you off air going into Friday's game, the combination of the Jets and their, their current predicament Getting to leave Winnipeg early and spending a couple extra days down in South Florida going into a game against the powerhouse Florida Panthers was a recipe for disaster. And uh, that certainly was on display on Friday night. I mean, uh, a team that was obviously ill-prepared to play, I would suggest, against most teams in the National Hockey League, never mind a juggernaut like the Florida Panthers. And, um, you know, you're not ready. You don't do the right things against a team like that, and you can get embarrassed. And um, that is pretty much what happened on Friday night to start the back-to-back -back losses in the Sunshine State. Yeah, you know, Florida's a good team, and 
I think the Jets record against, you know, some of these top teams, it seems like they're consistently giving up six, seven goals to them. Colorado has had their way with the Jets in Minnesota. You know, we saw Tampa and Florida putting up touchdowns on the weekend. Maybe there was one extra point that, that didn't get converted on Friday. Either way. Yeah, they blocked you know, we, the extra point on Friday night. Yeah, they blocked <laughs> they blocked. Either way, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois had that tweet. We were joking about it, but they definitely, I mean, the easiest joke you could have made on Friday was, oh, wow, the Jets looked like they spent all week at the beach getting some sun and weren't ready to play. And I mean, how can you not make that joke after... Florida scores two right away and all the goals. It seems like they're just leaving a Florida player without a defenseman between, you know, the Florida player and Hellebuck. And it's one-on-one with the goalie repeatedly. And they, you know, they had no problem beating him. And again, Florida's a pretty strong team. You got to be ready to play. And you've been hearing, you know, the same thing over and over again, all season has. How they're poor starts and they're not playing the right way. And I mean, we're at game, what, 75 here, whatever it is. I mean, how can you be this many games in the season and not have an idea about how you should be playing hockey? Like, how are we still having the same conversation over and over again? Uh, it's like beating your head against a wall. Um, and then you hear Dave Lowry talk about the way they want to play. I mean, I don't know if he's, again, just slamming his head into the wall saying, why isn't this working? Or they're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole and they can't figure, can't figure out why it's not going in. But something seems, seems off after listening to the team on the weekend. I think the, the player availability was, was I don't know, I get, damning? Is that the word? It was just uh, in, shocking in my part. opinion, in my opinion, yeah. I mean, some of the most damning quotes we've ever heard, um, you know, in season or even postseason uh, about a team. And this team's finished with some disappointments in the past. Um, but I mean, between Nikolai Ehlers, Paul Stastny and Kyle Connor, um, you know, they all implicated the entire team, um, you know, and, and some really, really concerning things not being prepared to play, not doing the things that professionals need to do to compete consistently for a full season. And Kyle Connor suggesting, and I'll quote, and we'll play this a little later on, that it's never too late to start building a culture after the 75th game of the regular season is, I mean, about his jaw dropping, but it speaks to where this team is right now. I mean, we've been fed a lot of, frankly, BS. I think it's quite clear now over the last couple of years of what a great group this is and what a great, you know, the the team is strong. It's a great group inside. They play for each other. They play together. Yeah, no, they don't. <laughs> like how anyone could think that from watching this season, um, you'd be lying to yourself. And to be honest with you, I think there's been a lot of um less than honest comments over the course of this season, even into last season at times, especially the way things ended. And, um, you know, we often like to talk about pumping the truth serum into guys. Well, I don't know. There was, a, there was some of that in the post game. And it seems like some of the key players, the guys that have had the best seasons on this team and Ehlers and Kyle Connor and Paul Stassi are at the top of that list. Um, being pretty darn clear about what they think um, is happening and what isn't happening with the Winnipeg Jets and why they are where they are right now. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, Remo. Let, let's start off. Nikolai Ehlers spoke after Friday's game to the um, to the Florida Panthers, and there's a number of clips here. But why, let's get number eight ready. Um, and listen, there's a number of comments from Ehlers, who I mean, to be honest, was asked a number of questions and 
you know, essentially came back to the one common theme that for the work of the coaching staff and the things that the players know what they have to do to win, they consistently just simply don't play the right way. And uh, this is what he had to say after the game on Friday. <sighs> we didn't come out ready to play. Um, you know, our line goes out there the first two shifts. We get scored on. Um, and that's just straight up not good enough. Um, but the position that we're in, you can't do that. Um, you know, they're obviously a great team, um, and we weren't good today. So, you know, a team like that, that is buzzing in their own building, they're going to take advantage of, of, of a team that's, you know, not playing the right way. Yeah, so there's Nikolai Ehlers a little bewildered about um, the way that the team played, the way they came out. And, and listen, Terrible starts for the Winnipeg Jets have almost been a calling card of this season. Um, you know, Ehlers was asked, um, you know, how can one explain just how seemingly not ready the Jets have looked so many times this season, including Friday night? Yeah, and, you know, they trot out the um, back-to-back excuse frequently. Oh, um, and God, then you look, at so, you look at, you know, this after a couple of rested days on the beach in Florida. Uh, you know, I remember Vegas where they didn't get a shot for like the first team, 15 minutes. I mean, a couple games this year, they haven't got a shot for first 10, 15, and it's just over and over again. They have these slow starts and, you know, Florida, they jumped on them right away. And I mean, it just seems like we're going through same thing over, over and over again. Credit to those guys who came out, Stasny, Ehlers, Connor, Dylan as well, Friday. Um, I thought we we're pretty honest. And you were seeing the questions like, "Where's um, you know the captains?" Well, I don't think the they ask for him no, anymore they don't. because I think it's pretty clear because he would have said, "Oh, we're a young team. You know, we had a really hard schedule this week." You know what he's going to say, and he's not going to get that honesty. So credit credit to these guys. Yeah, listen, the relationship between Wheeler and the media was bad to begin with. I think dating back a few years. But you're exactly right. I mean, this is not Blake Wheeler dodging the media. They're just done. I mean, there, there's no. I mean, Mar like if you look at these last two weeks, um, it's Josh Morrissey spoken just about every game. I think he had four or five games in a row. I mean, we're hearing from Paul Stastny a lot. We're hearing from Kyle Connor a lot. Uh, we're hearing from Nikolai Ehlers. And frankly, because these are the guys that have actually been you know, giving somewhat honest answers to the current predicament to the team. Remote, grab number nine if you could, because this is a little bit more from Ehlers, and I do want to get to Stastny and Connor, and we'll sort of do that throughout the program as well when we're talking with Joe and Jeff on these topics. Uh, we mentioned about these slow starts. Ehlers was asked about that um, have being uh, such a problem this season, including uh, on Friday night. Honestly... If I had an answer to that question, we, we would have been able to fix that. And I don't have the answer. You know, we've, we've done this all season. Uh, we've had so many bad starts. And like I said, if we, if we knew the reason, it would have been fixed a long time ago. Um, so, you know, I think you know we're we're obviously uh we're obviously not satisfied with how this game went but 
you know, we got a we got a new game tomorrow, and we gotta we gotta get ready for that one. It's a, you know, it's not gonna be an a, an easy game tomorrow either. Um, so we gotta pull ourselves together and 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 you know just play play the right way. All right, so there's Nikolai Ehlers, and this is something that we've heard, you know, a few times before under, uh, you know, the few times we've had more candid comments, and um, it just simply hasn't happened. And that is why I think we're heading into, um, I don't want to say the most tumultuous, but certainly it could be and should be the most change-filled offseason we've seen since this team got here from Atlanta. And, and to be honest, I don't think that's even close. Um We've heard from Ehlers. Remus, I want to hear, listen to these two Stasny ones as well. We'll maybe get to KFC a little bit later on, but grab number five, first of all, uh, if you could. Paul Stasny speaking afterwards, 21 goals in the season now, was able to score. Um, and he was, listen, for Paul Stasny, who's very calm and collected, um, even he was quite hot. And you could see that there was a level of anger. There was a level of embarrassment on a guy that's played for a long time in this league at a very high level on some very good teams. And I couldn't help but think that he is somewhat shell-shocked um, about what's happened to this club and how this continues to happen. And, um, you know, he said, first off, what I think everybody knows, that this team consistently leaves their goaltender hung out to dry. Uh, here's uh, Paul Stastny on that from uh, Saturday night. Uh, just disappointment. I think uh, yesterday they kind of, they just came at us wave on wave. And then today, thought we started better. And we had a couple good looks to kind of extend our lead. We didn't. And then... Um, we left our goalie out to dry, like we've done all year. And some games, you know, Bucky makes big saves or they don't score. But over the course of the year, if you keep giving up grade A chances like that, if you keep kind of leaving guys alone in the slot, you know, you're going to get burnt. And when you play a skilled team like that, I think, you know, you give them that extra, that extra chance to make a play. Uh, like I said, we left Bucky out to dry, and, and I think that's the most disappointing part. All right, so there's Paul Stastny. Now, um, Remoke, if you can, get 15 loaded up because this, to me, from a veteran player that I refer to and I still believe is the conscience of this team, um, for him to be asked about, you know, what this team isn't doing and diving into some things that deal with the room, deal with off the ice that just simply aren't at the level of quality playoff-type teams is um, has to be incredibly concerning. And you can only imagine how these comments reverberated within the front office of the Winnipeg Jets. Here's Stasny one more time from Saturday. I don't know. You know, I've always kind of try to have the mindset as the season goes on, you get better and better. And, uh, you know, the first 20 game season, it's easy for anybody to be good. You know, everyone's excited. Everyone's got a lot of energy. But then the guys that take care of themselves, the guys that put in the work off the ice, on the ice over the course of the year, uh, you know, I don't even want to say they raise their game. I just want to say they kind of stay consistent. And what happens throughout the season is, uh, you know, if you're not if you're not focused, you're not dedicated, you're not ready to go every single night. You know, it gets away from you quick. And this league isn't the same as when it was when I came in the league, where there was, you know, 18 teams that had a chance to make the playoffs. I think now every team is good, is skilled, and can beat you on any given night. And 
I love that because it just you have to be ready every single. You can't have an off night, and if you do, you know you kind of hope your teammates can kind of pick it up for you. But you can't have multiple off nights, and I think that's that's the beauty of this league is, you know, every single night it's tough. And then, but you know that's what we play this game for. We love the, the competition. We love to fight, and, and you know we, we love to win. And uh, you know if you're not all there together, it's it's tough to win this league. And there's going to be nights where. It's, you know, some guys have off nights, and that's normal. You know, everyone makes mistakes out there. It's all about covering up for that guy, and, and it's a game of mistakes. So, it's not uh, you're never gonna have a perfect night. If you do, that's that's once a year. You know, where everyone kind of chips in, and no one's a bad game. But um, you know, when we're there for each other, when we're covering up for each other's mistakes, you know, when we care for each other, um, then you have better results, or or at least you're in the game, and, and it, you're in the game for the whole 60 minutes, and then you might lose a close game, but you know, you give yourself a fighting chance. All right. Well, that to me might have been the money quote from the entire weekend. I mean, uh, you know, you need to be focused. You need to be dedicated. You need to be ready to go. All of those things that the Winnipeg Jets have consistently not been this year. And Paul Stasty called it the way he sees it. Um, and again, this is a guy that knows what we're talking about. He's been on some very, very good teams. He's been on teams that have won at a high level. Um, and he's had a great season this year. And I mean, for him to be doing that at this age for the amount of commitment and preparation and dedication that Paul Stastny needs, I think it's pretty ser pretty clear, Remus, that he's looking around this room right now at a very talented team that simply is not doing what it takes to compete at a professional level against the other teams in the National Hockey League each and every night. And, um, you know, we're going to hear from what Kyle Connor had to say and, uh, you know, certainly from the coach. To me, what we just heard from Paul Stastny is it's chilling in a lot of ways. And, you know, it, it gets us back to the big question. How the heck did we in this hockey team get here and what needs to happen going forward to put this miserable season in the rearview mirror and start going in the right direction? Mal Paris in chat says um, it's been a problem for more than just this year. And and I agree. I mean, you've seen it the last couple of years how much Connor Hellbuck, um, you know, covered up a lot of the defensive issues on this team. And I see a lot of people you know, maybe blame him. You look at his raw numbers and I mean, they're not great. His goals against is around three. His save percentage is, is low, but you look at the chances that Florida and Tampa getting one-on-one -on -one in with them. I mean, Sergachev, <laughs> Sergachev walking in. I mean, a defenseman with nobody and just deking uh, with the backhand or Huberto, you know, cross, cross crease passes that aren't getting uh, picked off. Um, you know, guys just going for tap-ins. Uh, so I don't blame Hellbuck at all. But, and you look at, you know, the way they say playing the right way. So I, what I was saying was, you know, it's been, he's covered up a lot of the issues, but I kept thinking back to, you know, 2019, you know, we're gonna, what was it, January? You know, since then, the team has kind of been going downhill. I remember when they brought in, you know, Matt Hendricks. Yeah, I don't know what what that was about. Um, you Vice know, President of Morale. We had the ruffled feathers that off season. You know the the no show in the game six loss to St. Louis. I mean, all of this just seems to have snowballed into where we are now, and I think it's going to be a very interesting off season, maybe more interesting than we've had for a while, but for uh, the wrong reasons and the reasons that we you know we thought this was going to be a you know a much better season. Uh, than, than we had, and I think anything would be a much better season than what we've been witnessing here over the last uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, listen, it's quite clear that there's been absolutely nothing that has really turned around or improved since Dave Lowry took over. 
Um, so, I mean, I think it's a fait accompli that there will be a new coach and I would assume a new coaching staff. I mean, that hasn't happened in the past, but I have, I find it impossible to believe that they could, you know, go into the off season, say they're changing the head boss, uh, the head guy, but keep that coaching staff. So let's assume that that is the case. But I also think it's very easy just to blame the coach. And I mean, listen, has coaching been a strength of the Winnipeg Jets? Absolutely not. But when you listen to what things like what Paul Stastny just said, this isn't, you know, this isn't about the guy that's behind the bench, whether he's an interim coach or a lame duck coach. I mean, it really is about the personnel. Um, it is about the makeup of the club. It is about the locker room. And at the end of the day, it's about the level of, um, well, we've called this, this a lot, the give a shit level of a lot of players. And I'll tell you what, right now at this point with, and I can't really say I'm surprised with the way this team played when there still was lots to play for, uh, at the end of the season, when it basically is much you're done, I mean, I don't know if I was anyone was expecting much more. I mean, I watched the games on the weekend and just sort of like, yeah, this is pretty much what <laughs> what I expected. They're going up against way better teams and have a lot to play for. And these guys have been playing like they've been done for a very, very long time. So, uh, listen, I don't know if we should have ex been expecting anything. But as I said, I mean, just to sit here and talk about Dave Lowry, I mean, yeah, no kidding, everyone. Like, we're <laughs> everyone's watching these games. There hasn't been any improvements there. Um, but if you, I, I, listen, I personally don't think, and I mean, fill us in the chat on where you're at. I mean, I think you could bring in Scotty freaking Bowman right now on the Winnipeg Jets be uh, Jets bench, and uh, I'm not sure that this group that so many of us, including myself, was very high on going into this season and expect that they're going to turn into a juggernaut in the National Hockey League. Yeah, and just, um, you know, before we get to Joe, I you know it's funny watching, you know, some of the games, and it just seems like we're watching the same game. The first game, oh, you know, the Jets don't show up early on. And, you know, Connor Helbeck doesn't bail them out, and they lose. And the second game was, oh, you know, Jets got, actually got off to a pretty good start. They got a lead against a good team, like we saw against Colorado, like we saw against Toronto. And you think, okay, can they hang on and win? But no, of course, Tampa, you know, I thought, you know, I was joking to everyone at my dinner on Saturday. Oh, Tampa, you know, the Jets are up 4-2 against Tampa. And I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty awesome. My like, yeah, you know, it don't... Don't worry, it's... Go live know, bet the Lightning right yeah, now. Yeah, I didn't think, though... <laughs> I know I thought the Lightning would have taken the lead in the third period, us, but it was... Or tied it up in the third. It was the second. They couldn't even hold on to the lead for the last uh, couple minutes there. 4-2 lead, and Tampa made it 7-4. Uh, and, I mean, those those three games, I mean, they have the lead against these good teams, and, you know, you've been saying all season, you got to play a full 60 minutes, and weren't weren't able to close it out, and... You have a couple games this year, Minnesota, Colorado, Toronto, Tampa, been some really good teams, and you're giving up seven spot. You're giving up a six spot against Florida, Minnesota, Colorado. I mean, tough to win when you're consistently giving up, you know, beat the good teams and you're giving up, you know, five to seven goals over and over. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, it's, uh, <laughs> God knows, we could probably go back and just basically take clips of openings to shows earlier in the season and put it in on somewhat of a medley and just play it. You can just kick back for the first 20 minutes because none of this, uh, none of this is new. Listen, we're going to bring in Scooch. I'm looking forward to having Joe on the program to uh, talk about this. Hey, before we do that, do you want to give a, a big thanks and a shout out to our friends over at Wallace and Wallace, our newest sponsor here on the program. They are Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. 
You've seen their fences and trucks all over the city. Wallace & Wallace has been serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence or if winter's done a number on your old one, give them a call. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood, they've got the right fence for you. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they also have Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a call at 452-2700. Ben, Charles, Mark, and the rest of the gang at Wallace & Wallace will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. And you can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom over on Lawson Crescent. Um, hey, Vita Health has lots going on this week, and you can always count on the best prices in town on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. Not to mention delicious lunch options like Vita Market salads, soup, sandwiches, and more and the new falafel salad as well. Uh, and you can get your barbecue on with delicious lean bison steaks or chicken all at that grab-and-go deli. Uh, if you can't make it into the store, visit their brand-new fully shoppable website at myvita.ca to buy online or schedule a delivery with Instacart. Vita Health Fresh Market, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and again, online at myvita.ca and uh, andrew and the guys have lots going on heading into the summer over at f apparel at 190 smith street don't be that guy that leaves his new suit to the last minute you have an event this summer if you want a fresh look now's the time to come down and see the guys at f they've got their new spring and summer fabrics in stock and ready over 250 new fabrics in every style pattern or color and of course, incredible deals on weddings. If you're in a wedding party and you're wondering what to do, I was talking to a friend that had to go rent one at uh, one of the big stores to be in the wedding party. It was just about as much as it would cost to get you a new custom suit at F. Uh, they've got a great deal as well, 15% off for wedding parties. Give them a call, pop down and see them at 190 Smith Street or find out more online at fephapparel.com. All right, let's uh, get into it. Uh, Monday with the Scooch, let's welcome in the longtime sports director here in Winnipeg of Global and CKD is Joe Piscucci. Joe, what's up? Hope you had a great long weekend. Oh, well, they got the jet games. It was not too, too bad, but the jet games really put a, uh, a sour disposition. And, you know, I was so mad, so mad at uh, how they played, um, so mad at the, the lack of fight, so mad that Corey Perry and uh, Pat Maroon, you know, get the better of the Jets, you know, like, why is Corey Perry owning the Jets? Going back to last season's playoffs and against Montreal, like, he he makes a joke out of the Jets, you know? And they have no response. For Corey Perry, they have no response. You can go back to that series against Calgary, Sam Bennett and Milan Lucic owned the Jets in that series. And what did those two do after that? Nothing. The Jets just are like, they're too soft for my liking. Like, it's just embarrassing to watch them get pushed around by guys like Corey Perry and Pat Maroon. And let, uh, let me let me ask you this, Joe, because, I mean, God knows, we've been talking, yeah. we've been having these same conversations after games all season long, just in different, uh, you know, maybe different tones after, uh, you know, a variety of different ways of losing games. But, I mean, going back to, I still think it was midway through the 18-19 season. I mean, the second half of that season was a disaster. They went out again to the first round to St. Louis. Yep. Uh, we all remember 
the infamous um, media availabilities that day or was obviously something's wrong. But I guess we're now three years later on. I know there's been a lot going on, but I mean, in your opinion, how, how did we get here to where we are today? You know, I was thinking about this um, over the weekend, and I think it goes back further. I think that there was no way they win that playoff series against Nashville if Pekka Rene just plays average. He was so bad in that series. That's why the Jets won that series against Nashville. Remember, they lost uh, what uh, two of their three home playoff games, right? They won. I think they won the first one, but then every time they came back to the, uh, yeah, the they were three and one in Nashville in that series. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. So, oh, and and they the only reason they won Game Seven was because Pekka Rennie was so bad uh, at the start, and the the Predators were down early. But I think, and then in the next series against. Las Vegas, all the problems that we see now with this team, they were evident in that series. The Jets refused to chip the puck in deep. Game, they won game one, but Vegas was the better team for the final two periods. But in game two, early on, Mark Shifley tries to make a three-foot pass to Blake Wheeler at the Vegas blue line. They intercept. They pass it up. You know, Truba's going off the ice because he's going for a line change. And Vegas goes in and scores. And that was the whole series. They, you know, the, they continue for the, since then, they were continue to turn the puck over, whether it be at their blue line or the other team's blue line. And we've seen it this year where, you know, they just refuse to dump it in, play dump and chase, put the pressure on the other team's defense. They try to make some silly little play at the blue lines and it costs them and they won't change. And, as much as Nikolai Ehlers says the right things, he's as guilty as anyone of doing this. You look back to game four uh, against Montreal last year. First goal, Jets are killing a penalty. Trevor Lewis can shoot it down the ice. No, he tries to make a play inside the Jets' blue line. He gets turned over, one nothing. Next play, the puck comes along the boards, and Ehlers chips it into the middle of the ice. Montreal gets it and scores. And Ehlers has done that again this year. He says the right things. Some games he plays the right way. But he's just as guilty as everyone who makes these dumb passes. And we have seen it, like, since, you know, I really took notice of it in that Vegas series. That's when I really took notice of it. Like, why do they continue to play that way? Just dump it in and go get it back. And when they can do that, you know, then they're a very successful hockey team. But they refuse to do that. And it just it's just mind-boggling as to why and as to why players who know the right way to play refuse to play the right way. I'll suggest to you that Paul Stastny is one guy that you know you can pretty much count on doing the right things and for the most part playing the right way, as we just mentioned. Um, I still can't believe, I and mean, we just played it again, I mean, what he had to say after the yeah. game. And I mean, a, a few points over the last really two years Paul Stastny has picked his spots. I mean, it's not like he does this over and over again, but towards the end of last season, yes. he had that, you know, that, you know, basically calling the team out, heading into, I believe, his thousandth game, yeah. um, at which point they finally won and broke that seven-game losing streak and got some semblance of t together before going out and stunning the Oilers in four straight. Right. And um, how did they play against the Oilers? Well, it, like, exactly. defensively yeah. and they dumped the puck in. <laughs> They, they had like one good week in about uh, a period of seven right. and it went right back to Montreal. But and, you and just heard they, when and, and, and then they did the same thing against Montreal. They started turning the puck over. 
right? And they refused to change. And in that fourth game, yeah, they got down to nothing. And then Logan Stanley brings them back and ties it up in the second period. But for the majority of the players, you know, I mean, it's difficult just watching it on TV, but it looked like they didn't want to be there. You know, in the overtime, Montreal was all over them. The the Jets had like basically put their arms up and say, hey, you know, we oh, want the tea times were booked at with. that time, Joe. Yeah, the tea times definite. were booked. Uh, what did you think about what you just heard from Paul Stastny? I mean, this is what game 75 of the season. And I, yeah. I mean, I just can't like you never hear that sort of thing talking about, you know, focus, uh, professionalism, dedication to what needs to be done. I mean, you'd rarely hear that. Um, but it really seemed like he didn't hold much back as far oh, he, as uh, everything yeah. short of I mean, pounding his fist on the table. He's speaking the truth, but, um, you know, and it makes me kind of wonder, why did he come back and resign with this team? Because he saw a glimpse of that, you know, back in 2018. But why did he come back? You know, I mean, they traded for him, but he resigned. Like, I, he knows the problems with this team, yet he can, he, he chose to return. And, uh, and, and Remus mentioned about the, the, the Matt Hendricks, you know, when they brought him back, you know, because they, they had some problems in the dressing room. So this, there are some issues within that leadership group, obviously Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley. I, I'm not going to point any fingers at Josh Morrissey because <laughs> his give a damn meter is way over. He cares. He's putting up a fight. He's doing his best, you know, and he's just getting worn down. Uh, by everything. And when you have a player like Neil Pionk as your most physical defenseman, you know, wh where's Brendan Dillon? And then I look at, you know, geez, it's easy to bench Logan Stanley and Dylan Sandberg, but Nate Schmidt has played terrible this season. Terrible. He's caused more goals than I think Logan Stanley has, but, you know, he's not getting sat down. You know, why is Logan Stanley always the one that's being, you know, basically benched, being made a healthy scratch? And why was Dylan Sandberg even taken out of the lineup? He didn't play that bad. No, and know? it's one game. And, you know, like to your point, I mean, the Sandberg, having Sandberg out of the lineup on Saturday was a real head scratcher. But this goes to something that is another thing that was a mainstay of the Maurice era and... You know, many will say that this year has just continued. I mean, he yeah. left, but, you know, and listen, Dave Nothing Lowry changed. was on his staff and was an assistant coach at nine in the morning and was, uh, you know, an interim head coach in the afternoon. So I don't know how much change anyone really expected to happen right away other than they need a new voice. Well, they weren't <laughs> listening to Maurice, and it doesn't sound like they were listening to to Dave Lowry very much either. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, all of that, it, it, this is the, just the same things that, you know, have been... An issue with this with this team for so long, and and that's why I go back to thinking, you know, again, big picture into next year. I mean, certainly they need to have a new approach, new people that are calling the shots. But I really do wonder what we were just talking about right now. Uh, that leadership group, the core, um, mm -hmm. all those players to change. But to back to the the, the thing of with putting um, Sandberg out and putting Logan Stanley back in, I mean, it has almost been like there are two classes of players. And there's always been that way. You know, yeah. you have young guys that aren't, you know, established NHLers and they can go on a good run and they make a mistake and boom, they're out. Whereas guys that are, you know, the veterans that, you know, you, you know, you're probably paying more than you have in, um, have a real lack of accountability, I guess is the best yeah. way that I could well, say it, Joe. Yeah. I, I mean, and as great a season as Pierre-Luc Dubois has had, he takes way too many stupid penalties. And he gives the puck away just maybe not as much as Mark Shifley was doing, 
But he, but since Shifley's been out of the lineup, he's been giving that puck away like crazy. I mean, and and what happened there is like so he, Kyle Connor was taken off Dubois' line and put between Stastny and Ehlers. Is was that kind of a, sl- a side kind of move by uh, Lowry to kind of uh, punish? Here, Luke Dubois for all his mistakes because it seems like uh, he got demoted to the second line and Stastny's now the number one center on the team. So, but there's just way too many mistakes. Two classes of uh, players. Like if Svechnikov makes a mistake, he's sitting the the next game. Um, yeah, if you're a third or fourth liner and you make a mistake, you're 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 being benched the next game. But if you're a top line player, you just get the next shift. Your minutes are cut. You still get your power play time. Nothing, nothing happens. Joe Piscucci's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily discussing the uh, latest with the Winnipeg Jets as they head into the final half dozen games of the season. Um, is there anything to be gained in your mind from these final six games, Joe? Um, you know, I'd said, you know, about six games ago, we were going to see who's committed to themselves, to their team, to each other. Um, and I'll tell you what, the game in Montreal, I think, was the best example of that with a team that actually played 60 minutes. They did a lot of those things that, you know, come now again, they were doing against one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League. Take that right. for what it's worth. Um, but, but you want to talk. Yeah, well, they, they won. won. They won they for won. sure. They did those things. It helped them win a hockey game. And then yeah. um, woefully unprepared and not ready to compete at a level that can even keep you in a game like the, uh, like against the Florida Panthers. And yeah, you know, again, I, we talk a lot about the young players right now. I mean, I, like, so Dylan Sandberg goes in, has one rough night and then is out. Like, I don't know, is that beneficial for a young player right now? Like, I don't get what they're doing. Uh, no, it, it, it makes no sense. It may, it makes no sense what, uh, but I don't know if Lowry's hands are tied as to what kind of moves he can make as being as the interim uh, head coach. Is he just trying to not ruffle any feathers of the veteran players? Can he ruffle the feathers of the, of the veteran players? And the only moves he seems to make are to the third and fourth line guys. And, you know, they've had a better effort against Montreal followed up by that really bad effort against Ottawa, which they won because Connor Hellebuck was brilliant. I think Ottawa was first. They had that terrible first yeah. period, then came back, won that game, and then were a much better team in the second game on back-to-backs when apparently um, that's so hard nights. to be able to play yeah. those games. And Lowry, he said, it, the funny thing was he said that uh, the reason he played Hellebuck in the second game because they were in a playoff race, right? Well, two weeks earlier, uh, Hellebuck was brilliant against Buffalo. What happened the next night against Toronto? He doesn't play him. Well, that doesn't make sense. You, you just contradicted yourself. You didn't play Hellebuck the next night against Toronto after that Buffalo performance, but yet you go with him uh, back-to-back nights in a game that, well, the season's already been lost. Like I told you, I think the last time I was on, you know, they could only afford 10 losses, you know, if they had any chance of making the playoffs. I think they're up to 13 now. So, I mean, that's just ridiculous. And then I get really frustrated when I keep hearing, you know, I'm watching Hockey Night in Canada, and they're doing their best to say the Jets have a chance to make the playoffs. Like, come on, <laughs> we're not stupid. You know, like Jet fans are not stupid. What, are you trying to, you know, help the ratings? Like, it's been patronizing over the last little yeah. while. I mean, yeah. Oh my God, I'm so, I like, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing as a fan. You know, I'm not on the day-to-day beat, so I can be the fan now, right? And 
it's embarrassing to, to just watch how they play, how they, you know, just get pushed around. And I go back, Corey Perry and Pat Maroon are pushing the Jets around. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, like Corey Perry was so bad, yet he owns the Jets. And he owns a lot of teams, but I, I just... It just amazes me. No, how, I know everyone how, was triggered last happened. night seeing it, and it's that guy again. They just—they um, need some care. Well, who I think you know, the culture. That was the you're going to play that clip later from um, Kyle Connor about building culture. Never too early to start building a culture. <laughs> what? Jeez. That should have been done a few years ago. You know, and and has, well, if, if anything, you know, I think they have. Is, I think they have had a culture. I think that they have kind of realized that it is a. It's a culture that's killing the team and the organization for a long time. Hold on a second, yeah. Joe. Let's play this right now because I think Remus has that. So maybe if people didn't see that, Connor post game on Saturday, he spoke on a number of topics. But uh, this this comment I think caught a lot of people's attention. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's you know whether we're in or out of the playoffs, you know, six games, whatever it is we have left. I don't think it's too soon to, you know, start building culture, having that right attitude in the in the group. So we're going to look to build on that in the next couple of games. So uh, seventy six games in. Let's start. Let's let's find a good attitude going into the off season right now, Joe. I mean, it's stunning that yeah. this is where it this is where it sort of ended up. Because I mean, I think even with an imperfect team and. Um, you know, obviously a coaching staff that wasn't getting the most out of it. There was enough talent on this club. But, you know, yeah. back to what you had said beforehand, I mean, it's quite clear. And I mean, we're guilty these days, um, you know, of just focusing in on uh, all expected goals numbers and, uh, you know, a bunch of analytic stats, which are very helpful pieces of information and they can tell you a lot. But there are other pieces of of good, successful hockey teams. And it comes with compete level. Uh, toughness, physicality, ability to respond to challenges where the Jets are failing miserably in each yeah. and every category. And um, it's more difficult to put a number on those sort of things. But I think it's uh, certainly from my opinion, um, you know, in addition to, yeah, this team has some elite skill and talent and they've got a great goaltender. Other than that, when it comes to systems, when it comes to the way they play, when it comes to the preparation, when it comes to the commitment, they're failing on every single <laughs> level, Joe. I can't add to that. They are a failure. And it's not hard. Like, what's it? Uh, you know, Stasny said, it's an easy game, right? You simplify the game. And all they have to do is play in straight lines, dump the puck in, put pressure on the other team's defense, and get the goaltender moving side to side, right? And take the shot when you have a shot. Like, what did uh, uh, Morgan Barron? Twice he was in the slot there. Is it Saturday night? I can't, can't remember which game. Was it the Florida or the Tampa game? He's got the puck in the slot, and he tries to make a side door pass, you know, to Pierre-Luc Dubois. Why? It's a shot. You're right in the perfect shooting, but they do that. They overpass. Like when they're on the power play, the Jets have the power play. The easiest way to defend the Jets' power play is attack the guy with the puck because he has no support from any of his teammates. It's simple. That's been going on for three, four seasons now. It doesn't change. Then you put Mark Shifley over on the, the left wing. He doesn't shoot the puck. You put Blake Wheeler down low, they've cut that off, right? So basically their only one play is to get the puck to Cal Connor and hope his one-timer works. That's all they've got because they can't get the puck into the slot to Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know? 
and they don't and they seem to or I don't have the stats on it, but I just they seem to hit the goaltender in the middle of his body a lot when they take a shot. You know, they're not going for the corners, they're going square into his to the logo. I think they're shooting for a rebound, I guess. I'm not no, they shoot high, they don't shoot low, (laughs) they shoot high. So I, I, it's just, it's the same old, same old, same old. And I've been watching it since that Vegas series and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of watching the same thing and it's not hard to fix, right? Put a little effort, play smarter defensively, get the puck out. It's not hard. As Stastny said, it's a simple game. You simplify the game and the Jets just refuse to play the simple game or they just refuse to work hard. And if you're a young player in this organization, I'm concerned that you realize that you're not getting your chance with this team or the way that the team has been structured the last few years. You're not getting your chance. Billy Hanola should have been playing this season, right? Dylan Sandberg, of course, he had, you know, he had the, the injury at the beginning of the season, so that was tough. But Dylan Sandberg should have been playing, right? The only reason Logan Stanley got to play last year was because of injuries. And all of a sudden, oh, my God, he can actually play in the NHL, right? Cal Connor, remember, they sent him back to the Moose. The only reason he got back was because of an injury, started scoring. It was like, oh, I guess we can't send him back down. Well, did you not know what you had, right? Or is, it, or is that the Paul Maurice effect? You know, and that's, you know. I, I certainly do blame Paul Maurice for what's gone on with this team, how he was not able to motivate players to do the simple things. Right? I, listen, I, I believe this, and I don't know whether I've said this on the program before. I've certainly said it in off-air conversations uh, with friends and talking on this topic. Maurice is a very, very smart man. Maurice has a ton of experience in this game. And when he got this opportunity, what was it? His fourth crack in the National Hockey League. He knew he wanted to make it last. And Paul Maurice became an absolute master of self-preservation. He's great at reading the room. Mark Shifley had his eight-year contract. Blake Wheeler was getting the extension. Those were the guys. Here you go, gentlemen. This is your team. And I think he knew that as long as he was tied with those guys, he'd probably be around. Um, You know, up until... You know, it, it obviously it all ended. But let's get to the million dollar question, Joe. And this is maybe a multi-million dollar question. Let's say we just transplanted you into the top office at TNSE <laughs> and we're going into the off season. I think we've all agreed that we need a coach. What kind of a coach are you looking for right now? And in addition oh. to what you're doing with the coaching staff, how significant will you try to change the um the core of this team and um and some key players? Uh, well, I, I, first I'd want to, I'd want to get a verbal commitment and I want to know from players like Mark Shifley, are you part of the solution or are you going to continue to be part of the problem? I want an answer. Do you think, think you Mark don't have Shif- that answer already? I, I, I think, well, personally, I think Mark Shifley's already asked for a trade and that'll happen in the off season. Yeah, I don't I think, think there's a player that is, needs a change of scenery in the league more than 55, to be perfectly yeah. honest. And, and, and Blake Wheeler, and I've said in the past, I have seen him try to change this year. I have seen him try to change. And, and when I used to be covering the Jets on a day-to-day basis, the two players that I could sense that cared about the team and cared about winning and losing were Brian Little and Blake Wheeler, right? And I think Blake Wheeler still cares, but, you know, uh, something has gone on with his attitude, especially towards the media and 
and, and especially somewhere his place within this team because you know he he let his play or his ego get the better of him uh, somewhere along the line. I think it's changed you know this season a bit. It's come back, but um, I said before that Mark Shifley had a sense of entitlement in his game. Um, I've I've seen that change with Blake. So what would I do? Definitely would change the coach. Um, I don't would not want you know a Tortorella type coach, but I want someone who will enforce a disciplined style of play, right, and get the players to play it. Not you know not be so strict and you know like old school, you know, but they you know but Daryl Sutter he's old school he got them to play the right way, but someone who is tough but fair and. You know, if you play well, you get rewarded. If you don't, you know, there are there are ways to be punished. Instead of being made a healthy scratch, you get your your ice time cut a little bit or something. But s- players have to be made accountable. Now they have to get the younger players in here. Pascal Vincent, obviously, uh, he knows pretty much everybody in this organization. The younger players and most of the veteran players. So I think that you know, he's the cheaper option. Because if you bring in an Elaine Vigneault, right, he'll command more money. Or Claude Julien, he'll cl- uh, command more money. Does True North bring Randy Carlisle back? Oh, right. Can you imagine Carlisle with this group? I, would, would he come back as GM or as coach, <laughs> right? Like, uh, you want to tie with a powder keg? <laughs> he's tight. Well, Daryl Sutter came back. That would be a nuclear back. bomb. That would yes. be a nuclear bomb in the dressing room. Who knows? Maybe, maybe we you. need a nuclear bomb in hey. that dressing room. <laughs> I, we it, need it, something. I'll, I'll say one thing. That would be fascinating if that was the case. I'm not yeah. sure whether that's the, the the path to maybe turning this whole thing around. But well, people, what would he you doesn't take about he Bruce Boudreaux, though, right? What did he do? He just went in there and he changed everything with the Vancouver Canucks. And right. apparently they're thinking about moving on from him and hiring Paul Maurice. If you exactly, uh, exactly. <laughs> and you know what? All the power to the the Vancouver Canucks if they want to hire Paul Maurice. Short term, he'll get the team. Well, the team's already been turned around by Boudreaux. So, I, I you know I wouldn't mind having you know Bruce around here. He seems to get the best out of his players for two to three seasons, and then you move on. He'd be right? a lot of fun to have around. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I mean, it, would be, I mean, it would be a stark, dark uh, departure from what we've got I, right now. I know it's crazy, but you know, like Mark Chipman's going to hire. They always hire somebody they know, right? And who do they know? They know Vino, right? They know Carlisle. They know Pascal Vincent. They also know Scott Arneal, but it's not going to be Scott Arneal. I would they, suggest that in this situation, there is no need to just run towards the guy that you know. From the, I mean, uh, but that's uh, how it works in hockey. It's always the guy you know. Yeah, well, un- unfortunate. Oh, may- maybe it's time to maybe take a bit of a different path, <laughs> considering where this path is <laughs> has brought them. Joe, listen, okay. great chat as always. Let's do this again soon, and uh, certainly at the end of the year, well, we got six games left. We'll hear what the team has to say. We'll be doing yes. a big breakdown for that entire week. So uh, we'll look forward to getting you back on that week, hopefully, right. and uh, chopping a little up as we uh, head into the off season at the end of 82. All right. Looking forward to it. And also looking forward to hearing Jeff. Coming yeah. Up in a few minutes. It's going to be great. Thanks so much, Scooch.
Give him a follow on Twitter, folks, at Piscucci015, our great friend Joe Piscucci. And make sure you're following him because the greatest Jets historical content on the internet continually fires out of Joe's always entertaining feed. Uh, yes, that's right. The rumors are true. Jeff Hamilton is coming up in just a minute. Hey, before we do that, I want to give a big shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge who are getting ready for the upcoming season. We have a... Well, listen, it's going to be their busiest summer ever because of what's happened the last couple of years. But there are still a few windows in the season where you can make a booking, an incredible once in a lifetime uh, trip for friends and family and one of the best corporate outings you can possibly have. If you want to find out more about Aikens Lake, just uh, well, basically you'll be on the water less than two hours away from Winnipeg. Find out more online at AkinsLake.com, as well as I think they're looking for another guide and someone to work at the dock. If you've got a young person, maybe uh, finishing up university, um, dream job for young people. So uh, find out more, AkinsLake.com, and you can hit up Pitt on Twitter as well, at AkinsLake. Uh, of course, Culligan Water, great sponsors of ours and the go-to people for all things water here in Winnipeg for over 65 years. Uh, they've got it all, water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and city-wide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions for your business. 1200 Sargent Avenue, 694-5180, or find out more on all the great Culligan products and services online at drinkculligan.com. Uh, Donnie and the guys at Manitoba Battery have a lot going on right now as well as they transition from winter to summer. Uh, the annual battery farm sale is on right now until April 20, or April 22nd. Um, couple examples of the great deals. Ford and Chevy half-ton batteries on for only $79.50 and 900 amp top post utility batteries for $72.50. Just a few of the great deals that you can take advantage of. Again, if you are calling for the farm sale and you're out of town, uh, phone orders are encouraged and they'll have it ready for you when, to, when you come to pick it up at 1026 Logan Avenue. And uh, for all of you city slickers that are getting ready to get out to the cottage or work on some products outside of work hours, good news. As of today, Manitoba Battery has extended summer hours from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And uh, of course, you'll uh, get that. They also deliver same day if you order by 3 p.m. And uh, they'll also pay you cash for your old battery when they get there. It's a complete time saver, and you'll save significantly more than you would at Costco or Canadian Tire. Save time and money with Manitoba Battery, 1026 Logan Avenue, or go to manitobabattery.com for details. And uh, hey, quickly, before we get to Jeff, Canada soccer gear has started to come in. The new Canada Weekend 22 shirts that you saw the Canadian men's team uh, wearing when they qualified for the World Cup are in right now. Truckload of more Canada soccer gear is coming in right now to Royal Sports. In addition, tons of Blue Jays gear right now. Jets, Bombers, merchandise from every one of the big leagues. Raptors as well as they're in the playoffs. And soccer, baseball, softball, bikes, fitness. Get ready to dominate spring and summer, however short it may be, over at Royal Sports. 750 Pemina, and you can check them out online on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for their latest merchandise drops and deals. All right, let's bring in Jeff Hamilton, joining us from Parts Unknown today. Always great to have Hammer on the show. Now, uh, we will get to the Jets in a minute. A couple other things I want to get into Jeff with first, but uh, hey, how's it going? How's the weekend? How have your travels been? 
Hey, not too bad. I, I, uh, I think the last time I was on here, I was talking about extending my trip out and getting through this storm. Well, the store, storm didn't live up to its end of the deal, so I only got a few extra days, so I was home for the whole weekend. But here I am, new work week, favorite, favorite, uh, favorite part of the week, being able to join you on this show. So let's get at it. Well, I appreciate it. And listen, I mean, we will get to some of the things that are honestly more trivial, Jets, Bombers off season. But um, this is the first time you've been on the program since the uh, a horrifying news of the uh, charges uh, to Kelsey McKay. I bring this up to you, Jeff. Obviously, I think most people know um, you uh, worked for years on the Graham James piece of staying on our game. Um, and obviously I spoke with you off air when this news uh, broke. I mean, in a lot of ways, I mean, I imagine you looking at this there. Uh, many similarities to some of the things that you covered in the world of junior hockey three decades ago actually happening now within our midst in the last 10 years in minor football here in the city. Yeah, I mean, I had a bit of a thread uh, shortly after. I know people, you know, I was getting some private messages some public messages asking me to weigh in on it. And certainly my, you know, my efforts have, will not end with a Twitter thread, but I, I thought it was important to, you know, at least say some things based on my experience in this sphere. Unfortunately, I've had, uh, fortunately in, in a lot of ways too, I've, I've had the, um, the opportunity to, to dig into these kind of crimes, to get a better understanding of how, how they happen and, and ultimately educate, help educate the public. The unfortunate part is, is that it usually takes things like the Graham James, you know, that example or, or the most recent one here with Kelsey McKay, um, you know, to really get that opportunity. Uh, this will be a long road for for the survivors. You know, this is uh, this is just the beginning. I, you know, I think there's certainly you know certainly credit goes out to those who have come forward, and and more I imagine will come forward in the coming days, weeks, here as as this you know as investigators continue to work on on this case. But um, you know, certainly credit to to those people who have come forward. The bravery it's just immeasurable. Um, you know, the the situation that the pain that they have probably dealt with, they certainly have dealt with. Um, you know, in the last decade or so here, uh, you know, it's, it's unimaginable. And, and I think one of the things that, you know, it's, you know, a lot, lots will be said, lots will be discussed over, you know, over time here. But I think what needs to be understood, um, just from a basic public standpoint, is that, you know, I, I still get some of this today. I certainly got a lot of this over the Graham James research is that, you know, a lot of people don't understand how something like this can happen. And so, you know, we could talk about this forever, but, it, you know, simply put, um, these kind of sexual predators are, you know, incredibly intelligent in their grooming, um, you know, skills and their ability to, you know, create, maintain, foster relationships with, uh, with their players. And, and, you know, a lot of people ask the question, well, how can a, you know, a physical hockey player or a, a big tough football player fall victim to, um, you know, the, this kind of manipulation? And, and, and the answer, quite frankly, is, is incredibly easy. Um, based on a lot of different things that this, you know, these predators point out on, on individuals and that, you know, my, my point in all, all this is, is to say that I think as a public, we need to, you know, take the opportunity collectively to better understand how these things happen to provide empathy for those players who, you know, have a, you know, a crazy journey here over the next weeks and months um, and certainly have had a crazy journey over years just to better understand, you know, do your, do your part to better understand and not simply dismissed you know things to be you know what, what seem to be black and white when there's plenty of gray involved so you know i'm certainly um i don't know if looking forward is the right words uh but i'm certainly um uh going to be doing my best work in you know helping flush out this story 
uh, provide perspective just through my expertise, but ultimately uh, gain some much needed answers here. Uh, as I think you mentioned, Huss, it's one thing to kind of have this, you know, happen in this in the eighties, nineties. Uh, you know, it's a whole other story to, to to look at this new time frame, and you know, from two thousand and four to two thousand and eleven, and we know um, just based on history that you, you know, usually what you're what you're caught for is not your first uh, you know your first crime. So I think there's still plenty to be discussed here, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens here. But getting answers from the places where the public deserves is certainly my priority number one. I spoke with a number of people in the football community over the course of the last few days over the weekend. And, um, you know, people that have kids in the program are, I mean, horrified, as you can imagine. Um, I spoke to a couple guys from the Bombers that, you know, were beside themselves with it. Um, and again, I mean, it just, it, it hits so close to home. Um, I, I do wonder, you know, just in the short term, what if anything changes because i mean because of you know for instance what's happened three decades ago i mean it's not like there aren't protocols and things that have been put in place over the last three decades to try to avoid this and yet here it is with one of the most successful coaches in all of football here in manitoba that was involved with the team manitoba program was doing it one of the things that came out though and I, I get to give Gordy wilson a a a, a stick tap for this he uh, did a thread and i guess he runs the rifles um, so obviously those people are really, you know, are, are shocked by this and, and, and hurt by this because of, you know, how many, many of those players maybe even came through that program. Um, but he talked about coaches having players over at their residences. And he said that this should just simply be outlawed, should be banned. Um, is that a common occurrence right now, Jeff? I mean, in, in some sports or... Um, how, how is that not already a rule? Um, just basically considering what's happened before um is it just you know different situations with different individuals and how they run their programs and how much they're able to get away with yeah i mean it's it's a it's a good question i mean i, I there's there's clearly rules against um you know having parties having um players or in this case students or both over to your house i mean there's lots of i mean the reality is is whether it was the graham james stuff or things that prop up you know in, in the years since are always reminders right you know and i think when you do look at some of these situations i mean few and far between involve you know male coaches on male players uh so a lot you know the a, a lot of it could simply be yes these are in place but oh this is just a football coach right this is just a guy who you know it's just guys coming over to watch the football game or it's or it's just you know there's not a huge age difference so maybe you know being relatable it's a lot you know easy to be relatable it'd be a whole other story obviously i mean think about it if the rumors would have included you know uh and i just use this as an example but like a, a volleyball coach inviting his female you know players over i mean that would have been jumped on immediately um you know would have been questioned immediately just based on you know your your mind can go there quickly of of, of you know maybe some of the maltreatment that could be involved with those kind of relationships i think it's much harder and and speaks to the education the further education that we need to provide the public um in understanding you know the relationships aren't always you know male on on female or you know female on male they're, they're often you know in some cases obviously this case same sex situations um, and it, maybe it's just easier to justify or easier to dismiss as we've heard you know I know you know I, I, I found it interesting a lot of people seem to think well these these all these rumors I mean as reporters how are you not cluing in on them well I can tell you personally I never heard a single rumor about this and I have a hard time thinking that a lot of 
reporters that cover high school football would have would have you know would have known about this too and if they would i think there is a responsibility it certainly opens up a can of worms in the sense that i think people now you know and and this is the kind of the angle i've always taken in my investigation is it's it's easy to kind of go on the witch hunt right it's easy to you know try to identify who would have known things who should have known things you know and 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 point blame when i think the the biggest thing that we can do as reporters or just in general as a public is to you know is to give you know and again i don't use this lightly i don't use you know overuse it give people maybe a benefit of the doubt as we try to figure out where you know some of the you know some of the mess ups were or where you know where, where do we have examples where someone could have done more why didn't they do more right it's easy to pinpoint somebody and say well you know why didn't you do this or why didn't you do that and when you look back the policies weren't really in place or weren't in place at all to not just you know, identify a complaint, but to flush out a complaint, right? I mean, a lot of these instances, you, you don't have to look very far to the, the, you know, the recent report from the NHLPA. I mean, I thought that was absolutely laughable, that report. I mean, it ultimately looked at the low standard that the NHLPA had in, in you know, to, you know, to take these complaints, to, again, flush out the complaints, to identify them, um, and then, you know, base their ruling under subpar policies, right? That they, you know, that, that, you know to suggest this isn't systemic. Well, the, the idea that in 2010 you know, or 2011, you know, we don't have, you know, things in place to allow people a safe environment or don't have the, you know, to, to, you know, to give the details, to give the proper details of a complaint, or we, we don't have the wherewithal to provide that environment to ask further questions. You know, a lot of these instances were, were dealt with, well, until a, a victim comes forward and tells me exactly what happened, who am I, uh, you know, to question somebody or who am I to bring attention to an issue when in reality, if these policies are in place that outline the incidents that protect all parties, because I, there is the, that concern, right? There is a concern that you jump to things right away. And maybe that, you know, someone being accused isn't guilty of the crimes they're being accused. I mean, that's why these policies need to be in place to ensure that everybody's privacy is being taken care of, but more importantly, to identify and, and to take you know, what might seem like just an off the cuff comment or, or you know, a, a complaint with sparse details, you know, the proper avenues to ensure that things aren't happening. Because you can look at, you know, I, I absolutely believe that once, you know, once we dig into this, once we find out all the details, that there will be moments in time, right? There will be teachers who certainly knew about the rumors, that it was common knowledge, whether that be at Churchill or at Vincent Massey. And, and why, why, why weren't things done or why weren't questions asked? I mean, it, that also, I mean, again, on the witch hunt kind of angle here is, it, you know, it's easy to kind of point fingers and go, well, why didn't you do this or why didn't you do that? And again, were, were those policies in place? Were, were those people set up to not fail? And, um, and if they were, well, then, you know, there's bigger questions to be asked. But uh, certainly in, in, in instances like these, I mean, you, it, it, it's easy to get angry. And I think angry, you know, that, that those feelings are important because you want people to open up. You want people to, um, you know, want to talk about these things. You want people to be enraged so that they don't happen because that anger turns into, you know, positive energy and in, in, in changing programs. And I think, you know, this is just, just the latest reminder of why we need to, you know, look at what's in place, you know, from the school division, from, you know, different sports teams. I mean, the other thing too is to understand that power dynamic, right? It, you know, you don't have to be 16, 17 years old. You can, um, you know, you can be, you, you can be manipulated at 18, 19. And when that power dynamics there, that coaching, you know, athlete relationship, which in a lot of cases is incredibly sacred, you'll, you'll talk to a lot of high performance athletes and the relationships with their coaches, the trust required is so intense that, you know, the average person might question a relationship, one that is 
completely professional, one that is completely healthy for that that athlete's needs. But um, again, you know, this is just it's it's a, it really is an opportunity to shine a light on something that a lot of people in our you know society don't want to talk about, or certainly don't have the education for. And and again, unfortunately, it, it takes instances like this and, and brave souls to come forward to get that uh, get that dialogue going. Well, exactly. And I think some people in the chat were kind of wondering about who exposed this. I mean, it's the survivors. I mean, these people came forward and I mean, this was not something that I think was on certainly on my radar, your radar, anyone's radar until, you know, the Winnipeg police did a press conference last week at noon announcing the charges to Kelsey McKay. So this certainly is not far from the last time we'll talk about this, but I did want to get your thoughts on um you know what we've learned in a very short period of time and obviously this story will continue hey just staying on football from something far more trivial but of interest to winnipeg blue bomber fans um friday after we finished the show jalen saunders signs with the bombers i know we met the media today i mean this uh this could be a huge signing for a team at the receiver position but there are some questions over his health that's a great year, great year with Zach Caleros. I mean, uh, what did you think about that? What does it tell you about the season going forward? And I'm not sure if you were on the call today. Uh, what did we hear from Jalen Saunders as far as uh, coming and trying to continue his career in blue and gold with the champs? I was on the call today. And so, I, you know, I think it's a very, at the very least, a very intriguing signing just because you don't, you know, you know what Jalen Saunders has done in this league, but you don't know if he's still capable of doing it. I mean, this guy hasn't touched a football field since 2018, um, when he was injured during Labor Day weekend with the Tie Cats, and and again hasn't hasn't played a game ever since, and and not just that, but he you know he uh, he got in a car accident in this you know this time last year a little bit earlier than than what we're seeing now, just the start of spring, which derailed you know a potential comeback in 2021, which he was all ready to do with the Ottawa Red Blacks. Well, they've obviously moved on. I mean, he was a you know he was a free agent. Um, in February. So there were, you know, there were these two months here uh, where he was capable of signing and, and now he's with the Bombers. So, you know, clearly he, I mean, he says he's in full health. I think that's the number one thing you have to take him for his word, but uh, we'll really see, you know, what, what happens in a few weeks here when training camp gets underway in the middle of next month. But um, you know, he certainly is a guy that you have to be intrigued of. I mean, if you think about it, look at some of the stats he put up with the tie cats. I mean, with not a lot of, time the guy jumped in and, and became you know a marquee player a star player if you will at least that's the way he's being dubbed but um you know whether those star qualities are still in play for a guy who again went through a very serious car accident um messed up his leg and has torn his acl in recent years uh you, you obviously have to be curious on, on what he's capable of doing you know come game time but certainly a certainly a, an, an intriguing piece to add to the bombers receivers especially when you look at the loss of kenny lawler and how they're going to make up that big time attack and um you know adding to you know guys with greg ellingson we'll, we'll see what he can do it, it seems like when you look at his career he's an exceptionally great player to have as a number two option so long as he's not getting the double teams if somebody else is attracting that as we saw in hamilton with luke tasker and um, actually i think it was an injury to terrence tolliver that got him into the lineup um, but he was able to exploit that kind of one-on-one -on -one coverage. And if he's if he's anywhere near where he was in 2018, um, certainly could be a scary piece for the Bombers this season. He certainly had a monster season. Uh, I know. I know Remus. Uh, he was a mainstay on the DraftKings lineup there for a few weeks, a few seasons ago, when he was uh, doing what he was doing with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, and, and just quickly before we move off the Bombers, um, we're less than four weeks away from training camp. Uh, I would imagine at some point very soon, we're going to get one of those uh, press releases from DC 
that says the bombers have signed and it's going to be like 20 dudes deep. Uh, there still is a number of players that they need to add to the rosters and certainly rookie camp and the draft will be a big part of that coming up in the next couple of weeks. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, you can't, you can't bring everybody back is evident from the bombers uh, roster, but you can bring back a large chunk. So, I mean, there's obviously going to be guys that have moved on to NFL opportunities. That's what happens when you're one of the best teams, if not the best team in the league, as we've seen with the bombers the last two seasons, you're going to lose guys. But the good news for Winnipeg clearly is that they've been able to bring back, uh, you know, a large chunk of those players, certainly a large chunk of the leadership core. What will things look like with Andrew Harris, not in the locker room? I mean, these are all obviously intriguing storylines that we'll explore you know, next month, but, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I think you have to trust, you know, this scouting staff here, you know, you have to trust that they're going to find guys that they were capable of finding, you know, last season. Um, you know, I, at that, the good news too, with that, I mean, if you look at the open, you know, the open, uh, the vacancies, if you will, or the holes they're they're at positions where you do lean on your scouting staff to sign and can, and usually are the easiest to, you know, to, to, to fill. So uh, I also think another interesting one too, will be who plays safety, right? I, I don't think Brandon Alexander is going to be up and ready to go. And um, you know, with that many moving pieces in the secondary, that's going to be a, you know, certainly an area of, of focus here um, through training camp to try to get that chemistry going. You'll have guys like Brandon Alexander coaching up and, and helping guys in the classroom and, and, you know, dealing with some of those communication, the importance of communication and whatnot. But, um, I think that if you're looking at an area where the bombers might be a little bit susceptible, um, I think that's one of the few, the few spots is the, you know, the secondary. All right. Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg free press is with us here on Winnipeg sports talk daily. We're going to get to the jets and uh, listen, I, I, I usually do breezy bend golf reports and uh, shout out to Jordan Spieth for his uh, big round yesterday to a uh, win at our review. Um, but I think for the next little while, our uh, Jets reports can be brought to you by Breezy Ben because uh, six games left and it's tea times for uh, for Winnipeg. Of course, uh, whether you're uh, have an extended off season or just look like to play when you uh, have the opportunity, no better golfing home for you and your family than Breezy Ben. They've done incredible work to the course over the last couple of years, both on the 18 holes as well as in the clubhouse, the beautiful patio. Um, just such an amazing place to uh, to play. Just cannot wait to get out there. Although, um, well, sooner the better for us. It would have been nice if the uh, hockey team was unavailable for a little while longer. Uh, but we know where that situation is. If you want to find out more about Breezy Bend, waiting list, other opportunities, give Corey Johnson a call at the golf course. Or you can find out more online at breezybend.ca. Uh, hey, talk to a few friends. I had a bunch of people asking me about Teslas that had heard me talking about her on the show. Listen, I don't know a lot about them other than I've been in a few. and They are incredible vehicles. But if you're thinking about potentially a move to an electric vehicle, I know the people that can help you out. And that is the gang over at Not Auto Corp. They've been the leaders in Tesla sales for about a decade here in Winnipeg, have a number on the lot as well, and a stock that grows by the day. They've got the Tesla Experience program going on right now to teach you everything about the move to electric. And regardless of what kind of vehicle you're looking for, why not get into the car of your dreams at an incredible price with the help of the Knot team, Waverly and McGillivray, and online at Knot.ca. And uh, cheers to our friends at Little Brown Jug. The tap room is open. It's not quite time to enjoy a few little brown jugs on the patio, but that will be happening very soon. 
Uh, if you want to get the great taste of Little Brown Jug, order a 1919 at your favorite bar or restaurant. You can pick up all the Little Brown Jug offerings at your local liquor mart or beer store. Or best bet, pop down to the tap room on William Avenue. Try them out yourselves. Pick up all the beer that you want. And again, Little Brown Jug does deliver citywide Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. You can order online and find out more at littlebrownjug.ca. All right, Hammer, let's get to the Jets. Uh, I can't say I was at all surprised with what we saw on the weekend. A few extra days in Florida going into that game against the high-powered Panthers. That had a bad loss and an over written all over it. That's exactly what happened. And then uh, and you follow it up, getting you know getting a few on the board early. I think they scored four goals in their first 11 shots. And then the Tampa Bay Lightning flexed and the Jets looked about as lost as they have been all season long. Um, somewhat par for the course, as I said, not very, not surprised. Uh, but what was surprising was some of the most frank and frankly jaw-dropping comments I've heard from members of the team. Paul Stastny, Nikolai Ehlers, Kyle Connor saying it's never too late to start building a culture. I mean, uh, whatever about what happened on the rink i mean uh, you know i think we sort of expected that and we've seen it before what did you think about what was coming out of the post games with some of the uh, more prominent members of the winnipeg jets different weeks same question you know i mean it, it really it really is um not surprising i mean you, you can call it refreshing you can call it disappointing i mean you look at some of the you know culture comments and you know what is it game 73 74 75 i mean that's just not what fans want to hear, but you know, very much likely what this team needs to hear. I mean, I mean, I, you had Joe on earlier. You know, he was dropping hammers. Like, you know, do I need to play the good cop on this? I, I don't know, but <laughs> I think the reality is is that you know we're not going to get the answers that we're all dying to get until the end of the the, the year. And I mean, it's it's our job as reporters to flush those answers out to challenge answers to to try to get the fans you know answers that they've been desperate for 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 you know months if not the entire season just because of this team's just been you know vastly uh you know underperforming week in and week out the other thing too is that i don't think we're going to get all the answers um that we want until we start into the off season, you know, it's, you know, we're not, I don't think we're going to, you know, what changes are going to be made, what changes from, you know, cause I think at this point, when you, when you spend the, the salary cap and your expectations are as high as the, as the expectations were for the Jets hanging to this season, you have to do an audit on everything. And I don't think necessarily the time for an audit is right now, or at least probably not for them right now, as they are trying to, you know, focus on winning games and clinging to this, very, very, very slim uh, opportunity of making the playoffs. But, I mean, that needs to start sooner than later. And it needs to be, you know, it needs to be identified what this future looks like. And, you know, I'll go back to one of the questions I brought up in the past here is that, you know, what if the what if the ownership here views this year as, a, as an anomaly? What if they look at everything that happened with this team from, you know, whether it's a coaching change, whether it's, you know, scheduling, whether it's COVID, whether we you know all these excuses we've heard throughout the season. What if they time zones? Don't that? forget time zones. Yeah, time, don't, don't forget time zones. <laughs> Jets are the only ones that fly out of the central. So, um, you know, I mean, that, that, that's what's going to be interesting to me is because I'm just very curious what the, you know, what, what, what the brain trust is thinking. And I do think that, you know, Mark Chipman needs to come out after this season is done and address those issues right address a plan because i don't think you can hide behind the scenes you know expect you know fans to you know put up 
well, you know, hard-earned money to pay for, you know, watch this team and not get answers from the top. And, you know, we know that Kevin Sheveldayoff isn't the one that necessarily gives the most detailed of answers. But at the same time, I mean, I think we need to go higher, right? We need to go higher with, with uh, you know, the breakdown or, you know, to figure out some of the issues here and, 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 and really to have people answer for them. And so, you know, I think we've gotten to that point um, just with the restlessness of fans and, and wanting the answers, but you know, I, it's just going to be, and we, we've talked about this before. I felt like, you know, the worst case scenario was going to be whatever five, ten, the last five, 10 games being meaningless, right? Cause it's just going to be painful interview after painful interview post game. If this team continues to rack up the losses against good clubs and really, what can you really say? I mean, can you, you know, are you supposed to, you know, turn on your teammates, you know, with games remaining, having to go back there. Cause if you're expecting that, that's not going to happen. But some of the quotes we've, we have heard have certainly not just hinted, but you know, directly pointed to some, some way bigger issues. So um, certainly lots of questions, few answers that I'm hoping we can, you know, for, as a, as a, you know, media group here can get for fans, you know, after what's been a, you know, I can imagine extremely frustrating year. Well, I'll say this, um, you know, listen, uh, for the record, I don't think that that will happen. Uh, I don't think that they are looking at this season as, uh, you know, a one-off or really difficult season. And that, I mean, I think it's been abundantly clear on multiple levels that there is some serious things that are wrong with this club. And you can talk about the coaching. You can talk about the culture as Kyle Connor mentioned. You can talk about the commitment of particular players. You can talk about the locker room and you can talk about the leadership. I mean, all of those things I think have been an F for the most part this season. So I, I listen, just knowing that this, you know, where the organization is at when it comes to season tickets. I mean, I think this is going to be, um, I will be stunned if there's not significant changes in a number of different levels. And I guess if, if to your point, if they did look at it that way, they'll have to come out and sell that. And I think that'll be just about impossible to sell to the fan base. And that's a big reason why I don't think that is going to happen. Um, but I think, you know, as far as, you know, finding out, you know, how they address it, I mean, anyone can say whatever they want in an interview. And I mean, I've got a ton of respect for Mark Chipman. I mean, he has done things, I think, you know, always the best, always with the best interest of, of the team and the city um, in mind, just sometimes it doesn't work. And, you know, you can respect people that you work with, you can be with them, but at a certain point, you have to make tough decisions. I know he's made a number of those tough decisions in other areas of the organization at times before, and I certainly expect those will happen this year. But the real answers we're going to get, Jeff, is not anything in a press conference. It is going to be in actual, the actions of the organization and how they go forward. And, um, you know, whether we get some sort of clarity on changes that are happening right after the season, whether it takes a little while, I'm really not sure. But the bottom line is more than any other offseason I can ever remember since this team came back. I mean, there needs to be significant change and aggressive moves to, you know, erase so much of the disappointment and the and the baggage, I think, that this organization has with it. And I think that the only way to get over that is you know, making some big changes, whether it comes to big trades, moving some of the players that have been um, part of this core for a long time. And then when it comes to the coach, um, I mean, we often just lean on guys that we know, uh, guys that have been successful before that for whatever reason are available. I know Joe kind of leans on the fact that, you know, many hockey people, if you will, lean on people that they know. Um, but I do really wonder about, like, regardless of what the name is, the type of person that needs to come in, 
whether they do know the group, whether they have absolute, I'd prefer a guy that has absolutely no connection to anyone, to be perfectly honest, and is hired on the merits of what he was able to come in and do to hopefully enact his plan, the reason why he was hired without, well, with the goal of establishing an accountability and a new culture of the team and not leaning on people that have been big, big parts of what got the Winnipeg Jets to this point. Yeah, and I think you can say that, you know, right down to the players. I mean, I think you need to identify, uh, you know, what what the shortcomings are, who wants to be here, what vision they have. I mean, you know, you mentioned the leadership group. Is it time to find a new leadership group? Is it, you know, and, and you know, that, that speaks to players, that speaks to the, the, the management, that speaks to coaching. I mean, could we be facing like a clean you know, a clean sweep here. I just don't see the Jets doing that um, in that. I just don't think, I think it's too much to, you know, to bite off, right? Like it's too much to change. You know, you, you can't change everybody, but how high can you go? Right. I mean, I think at the very least something needs to give with, with the roster, you know, this team clearly has defensive deficiencies. They thought they addressed the defensive group. Clearly they need, you know, clearly this team needs a, you know, a, a true number one, you know, like, um, you know, it's easier said than done. I think Josh Morrissey's had a terrific season, but, you know, this team needs another Josh Morrissey, if not better, and uh, to, to, to help out that group. And if it takes trading a, a Mark Shifley or if it takes trading some, you know, key pieces up front, maybe that's something they do. I don't know how this coaching staff survives, um, you know, and that's just using this logic history. Yeah, logic <laughs> is a great word for it. You know, like this team's history, you know, uh, or this league's history, not a lot of coaches survive um, what this coaching staff has survived. So, you know, there's certainly movement there. And then whether or not, you know, this team is ready to bid adieu to their general manager, which, you know, may have seemed impossible thinking early on in the season, has to at least have been, uh, you know, has to at least been thought of throughout these last few months and, and you know, what the answers are, right? Because it's as much as the GM's job to, to create a culture of players as it is, a you know, a coach to instill it and to get the best out of the group. So if that's just – the breakdowns just unfortunately seem to be at every, at every turn. So how do you address – how do you address all of it? I don't know if you can, but you know, that's also not, you know, I don't get paid enough to, to provide those answers. And there's people fortunately that, uh, that do, that will have to make those decisions. And, you know, it's interesting because I go back to my, you know, one of my original points there about how much have they been talking about next season, you know, as they continue to cling on to this, uh, you know, these, these faint hopes of making the playoffs. And if there isn't already a, maybe like the start of a plan or chat chats of who could be potentially filling this void. I know you asked Joe, what kind of head coach, you've asked me in the past what time a head coach you know the Jets need to go after or what would work in this and you know with their current roster and I, I think we all agree that you know someone who can come in here and offer a kick in the pants would certainly be a benefit but they they can't just be a loud voice right I mean it's not just the you know if you want to look at the leadership groups you know whether they need to you know align with Blake Wheeler or the Mark Shifley it's just athletes as a whole younger athletes as a whole don't take to you know to necessarily negative attention um so you need to have a guy who if he's gonna you know go in there and and, and be a yeller or, or you know try to you know you know play tough love he's also got to be a good communicator and a good coach and um you know a guy like daryl sutter has proven to do that uh you know in calgary where he's you know he 
he's a no nonsense guy, but when it comes to the X and O's and, and generating possession, he's among the best coaches out there. So as much as you, you know, you'd like to, you know, fans would like to have a guy come in and, you know, start saying his way and, and uh, you know, trying to create a new culture here that starts with accountability. You also have to have the systems and vision to, to, to back things up. So um, again, it's not an, it's not a, you know, it's an, it's not an easy decision. It's not an easy pick. It's not like these guys are out there, you know, ready for the plucking, all looking for a job. But, you know, again, it's not, you know, there's people in place that get paid decent money to, to find these solutions and it'll be up to them to find somebody who can strike a balance between, you know, having that no nonsense attitude and accountability, but also instilling a, you know, a system that works, not just for, you know, not just hockey, a system that works in hockey, but works for this group of players that they can get behind. Because if you look at games like Tampa Bay, you look at certain things, um, you know, recent games where it's like, you know, the, there's that game against the Colorado Avalanche where the Jets were up three, nothing ended up losing six, three. It's those teams are able to not panic, revert to a system, maintain it. And then it works. The Jets just don't have that. They don't have that identity. They don't have that that game that they can fall back on. And somebody, you know, first and foremost, needs to come in and create that uh, and get that buy-in. Yeah, listen. I think a coach and maybe a good psychiatrist might be a nice addition to uh, to the hockey club as well. Um, one thing that concerns me right now, and I'm interested in your perspective on this, is where the younger players are and how they feel about where things are going and again things will change presumably if many of these changes that we're discussing are made and i think you know you really need to have a legitimate fresh start with a fresh voice some fresh players and to to move on from all of this right now but you know whether you're a younger player like a sandberg who was taken out of the lineup after one run one rough game whether you're Vili hanala um whether you're david gustafson who has you know been called up twice injured quickly and has been stuck around but maybe no one more important than Pierre-Luc Dubois. We've all talked about the fact that he seems to like it here, and certainly the goal of the organization is to sign him to a long-term deal, and I think that is imperative for the organization to do moving forward. But man, I mean, watching these games and hearing what some of the other players are saying after the games, I mean, you wonder what must he be thinking right now as to, geez, is this a place where I want to commit to you know, a long-term, a long-term deal and what it will take to have a player like that feel confident that this is the right place for him to go and play the most important prime years of his National Hockey League career. You know, when speaking to a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, I, I think there are some things in the Jets' favor. You know, I don't think this is a guy that needs to play in a, you know, a quote-unquote sexy market that, you know, has beautiful weather. I think he really does enjoy playing you know, in front of a passionate fan base. I mean, he's seen the best and the worst of this, of this fan base here in Winnipeg, right? You compare last season to this season and it's pretty much night and day and that's never bothered him. I mean, there's obviously the benefit of him being a restricted free agent. So he doesn't have, you know, a ton of, you know, leverage, if you will. I mean, he can play the whole Truba, you know, route or cop route and, and just kind of play out those year by year and, and, and get his raises. But I just, I don't see that. But I, I also think he's going to need, you know, like any player who would be, you know, sought after and, you know, viewed as the future in a leadership group. I mean, he's in a position to ask for those, you know, ask those questions. Where, what, what, what is the future of this, of this organization? You know, what are we going to do to get out, you know, really get some kind of, uh, you know, some kind of assurances that you know, we're headed in the right direction. And so I don't think that's going to be a tough one for him. But even when you ask about younger guys, I, I really do think it depends on, which younger guy you're referring to. If you're, if you're talking about younger guys like Pierre-Luc Dubois and, you know, 
Nikolai Ehlers and, you know, certainly the people under contract. I mean, there's not much, what you, not much you can do there. Um, but I also think if you're a younger guy trying to climb in to the roster and, and I'm not going to name names and, and, you know, to suggest anybody who, you know, I would know would be frustrated, but I could, you could only imagine some of the guys deeper in the lineup, not getting, not feeling like there is a chance to, to get up there and to earn ice time. We, we've seen, you know, and I've mentioned this in the past, the hierarchy is real, right? I mean, there's some guys that can, that have way longer leashes and that makes sense. I mean, that's on every team. There's going to be, you know, you, you don't treat, every player the exact same way but the discrepancy from where you you know where you treat some of the you know the higher end players or the higher paid players versus you know those players who are lesser paid um is palpable here in winnipeg or at least feels to be that way and i would be curious on what some of the younger guys guys who would never go out and speak against the team knowing that it would not only affect you know your your status with the club but you know your your perception of you as a teammate um, to other organizations so we'll probably never get that truth out of those players but I, I can just imagine the younger guys or the guys who are you know deeper in the lineup just wondering what they can do to you know get more playing time we know this team doesn't utilize a fourth line the third line is you know pretty much intact built around Adam Lowry and a couple select players uh, and then the top six kind of speaks for itself and and you know there have been changes there I think they've been changes not not based on spicing things up or on on you know accountability for some of the top six but more so to do with injuries and so at this point I mean it'd be it'd be fascinating to hear the truth from some of those players and, and what they feel the opportunities are here in Winnipeg because um, you know, those are the ones I think are being limited, whether they're prospect super young players or whether they're players that established themselves um, and just don't find a way of, of moving up and down the lineup. Um, you know, that's certainly an issue here at this club. Hey, two weeks from today, or maybe it'll be two weeks from tomorrow, depending on how they decide to, to set up the schedule. I mean, the Jets are finishing up with that game against the uh, Seattle Kraken that's been now moved to that Sunday. will be garbage day and we'll be uh, we'll be hearing from members of the Winnipeg Jets. I can't think of a garbage day without thinking of 2019 and just what a morgue it was. And, you know, that sort of spoke to the second half of that season and the quick exit to St. Louis. Um, what, what do you expect to hear that day? Uh, what, 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 what will that be like? Because, I mean, obviously we know this team isn't going to be in the playoffs. We know what the disappointments are. But we've also seen um, some very morose days. Uh, it right, you know, on display, none more than that date in 2019. How do you think that's going to go in a couple of weeks? Hmm. I wish I knew. I mean, I'm certainly intrigued. I know what I know what the you know the hot topics are, are going to be. Whether or not we get the truth, or whether we get you know the answers we're looking for, or if someone you know some of these these questions are tough when you're asking when you're particularly asking about your bosses, right? I mean, are we going to hear the truth about what some players felt about Dave Lowry's systems? Probably not. I hope so. You know, because I you know I think you can just tell there's some that disagree with it. Uh, you know, asking about your boss is a tough situation. So I don't think it's, you know, going to get those answers out, um, you know, fairly smoothly or again, as expansive as a, expansive well, you as know you what? Might want. Asking about your teammates is really tough too. And I mean, we literally heard that on the weekend. I mean, we heard from... Yeah, but no a, one's no one's throwing names out, right? Like it's one of those, like it's kind of hockey, it's biblical. You, you're supposed to never say we, happen, right? Though, right? You're supposed yeah. to say, no, no one's going to come out and say... You know, even as even as forthcoming as as you know Paul Stastny has been this season, he's not going to come out. I mean, he he's been in this league long enough not to point fingers at players, but there are things that that you know you hope you do get the truth out of, and and that's the trouble in gaining an identity for this team where they fell short. What impact you know Paul Maurice's exit had? I mean, I, I it's just fascinating to me that like we really don't 
know exactly why Paul Maurice left this did team. Did it have just... any impact? I mean, really? I mean, looking well, back at the season now, did it? On some players, it might, you know, and I, I, I do think that there's some, because I think that he really, truly left, right? Like it was I know, but the reason of... why I bring up that question is there's a reason why he left when he did. This team was playing the way that they were. They were miserable. They were, you know, miserably unprepared at times to play against even some of the worst teams in the league. They were losing games that they had to. And again, it was earlier on in the season. But the reason why I asked, did that have much of an effect is because Paul Maurice left and with the extension, I mean, I guess Dave Lowry won three in a row um, right out of the gate after losing on that Friday night. But from there, um, is anything really different than it was when the team was in that losing streak that led to Paul Maurice walking away? I haven't seen very much different, to be honest with you. I mean, it's the same same thing, just different guy behind the bench. In a word, no. So, you know, like, no, nothing. And and that's kind of the point. But I just, I just mean in general, like, it's just, you know, the answers. And the, the other thing about Garbage Bag Day is who's going to no-show? You know what I mean? Who's, who's going to not show up? Who's, who's going to make up some excuse that, you know, they waited too long or they had an appointment or whatever, you know what I mean? Because there's going to be some people, I mean, when you look at some individuals and an ability to have, you know, that level of accountability, maybe they see it as better off not to say anything, right? Maybe they see it as that. So, I mean, there's lots of things to consider. The, you know, I don't want to say good news, but it's not like these guys won't have had time to think of their answers, right? I mean, it's not like their minds elsewhere pushing for a, you know, a playoff spot here. So I'm hoping we get as much truth as possible. But I just, when you look at the way this culture has been set up in this team and just when it comes accountability to the media, which is ultimately the accountability to fans, I mean, it's just... I mean, the, you really are left with a I don't know what's going to happen situation. I don't know if there's going to be blowouts. I don't know if there's going to be guys that finally want to get things off their chest, um, you know, or if they wake up the next morning, they've had a sleep on it because the guys usually are most emotional after a loss, right, or after a game where, you know, maybe they get to sleep on it and they don't want to create, a, you know, an issue in their exit interviews. Maybe they get the answers they want in their exit interviews before they face the media. So there's all these factors that come in play to that are at play that could, you know, lead to, you know, various responses from players. But I, you know, I, I, I just hope that we, we get an op, an, an oppor- opportunity to strictly, you know, get some truth, right? I mean, this was not a, you know, I think anyone can see that this was not a good season for the Winnipeg Jets, that they never found a way, you know, a style of play that was successful. They just, they just failed through and through throughout the season. And, you know, you, you hope that there's a bit of a look in the mirror kind of situation. And if they're not going to talk about, you know, the team as a whole, maybe they get into their own individual responsibilities and collectively that turns into a, or paints a bit of a better picture for, for why things didn't go as planned this season. Yeah, no doubt. I'll, it'll be a very, very interesting uh, day. I'm, I still am not too sure what we're going to get out of these final six games, whether anything's different from, um, you know, again, we heard some interesting stuff. Uh, certainly it was more interesting than what we saw on the ice. I mean, a couple more road games and then four games at home. Um, and then things will get interesting around here with uh, with the uh, the off season that has been, uh, oh, unfortunately, we've been talking about the off season for two months around here for obvious reasons right now. Uh, what do you got cooking this week? Uh, you know what? Just a lot of Jets, some CFL stuff. Uh, obviously, a uh, story on Saunders today. We'll find out what his 
last few years has been like, but just, yeah, covering the local beats and um, continuing on. I mean, this, uh, you know, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity has to open up with uh, talking about what's been going on in the football community and, and what will go on. That's going to be something that's certainly close to me and something I'll be on. And I don't, you know, I'm not one to advocate for people, you know, to come forward, but, you know, certainly anyone that wants to and, and wants to have a, you know, confidential conversation I'm around, but um, let's just say my weeks will be, my weeks and months here will be, uh, will be, I won't be looking for things to do. Let's just say that. Well, and we won't be looking for things to talk about because we do have the excitement of the Bombers going for a three-peat starting in less than a month. And uh, as we say, I mean, uh, I think things are going to really pick up around here the second the season's over. We'll be paying attention to the Stanley Cup playoffs, but it really will be all eyes on, uh, you know, not the dressing room or the Winnipeg Jets, but uh, the... Uh, the highest offices of True North to see what happens with this hockey club um, in so many ways going into the offseason. Hammer, thanks for doing this, man. Always love having you on the show. Hey, always a pleasure, Austin. Yeah, right around the corner. I can't believe another bomber season and, you know, certainly something fans can look forward to and, uh, you know, a team that's uh, once again looking to be at the top of the castle and the, and the power rankings heading into this year. So thanks for having me on and thanks to the commenters and, and everything. You know how it goes. You got it. Thanks, buddy. There it is, Jeff Hamilton, at Jeff K. Hamilton on Twitter, and you can read all of his work in the pages of the Winnipeg Free Press. All right, well, for the final time this season, one final Princess Auto Curling report. Congratulations to Bruce Mowat of Great Britain, who won the men's side at the Princess Auto Players Championship. And a huge congratulations to Manitoba's Carrie Anerson. Uh, they weren't gold medalist they ended up winning silver losing to Hasselberg in the final but another amazing season for team anerson and some big news today brendan botcher has put together a, a bit of a wrecking crew of a of a new rink uh just announced earlier today uh he's gonna have uh, i believe ben hebert mark kennedy and brent gallant all in his team so uh hebert from team cooey uh, Mark Kennedy from Jacobs, Gallant from Gushu's Club, along with Brendan Botcher. That is a star-studded team. Uh, and, of course, Princess Auto, great sponsors of curling. We'll kind of be moving our focus on with our Princess Auto spots to two other organizations they support very well. The Winnipeg Gold Eyes, cannot wait for baseball season. And, of course, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Princess Auto is, of course, the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at one of two Winnipeg locations, or you can shop online 24-7, 365 over at princessauto.com. Uh, great day for some Boston pizza. You're probably all full from all those big family meals or gatherings over the course of the weekend for Passover or Easter. Maybe it's a nice night to, uh, you know, check out what's going on on the tube and order some BP. If you're heading out for any of the games over the course of the next couple of weeks, no better place to do it with your pals than your local Boston Pizza Lounge. But of course, you can check out their game deals, game day deals and more and order online at bostonpizza.com. And our friends at Nick and Nicky DQ, uh, I feel for them right now because this normally would be, uh, you know, when it just starts getting nice and everyone wants to just fast forward into summer. Um, getting all those great DQ treats at one of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. It seems like we're waiting a little bit, but the great news is the new stack burgers are so good. Even if it's not a big run on ice cream right now, uh, the burger game at DQ top notch. And of course, Hey, the slurpy capital of the world, you know, we're down with blizzards 12 months a year, pop down and see him at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park and DQ St. Anne's and the three Winnipeg locations now hooked up 
for delivery with all of the delivery apps here in the city of Winnipeg at DQ Manitoba on Instagram. If you want to get a head start on ordering a custom cake to pick up at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. All right, let's get Remus back in here. Uh, Remo, oh, that was some great stuff with the hammer. And of course the scooch two of my favorite guys to talk about. And, uh, Listen, I mean, I don't know whether we really got very far with the answers, but I think everyone knows what the big questions are going into this offseason, and uh, those echoes will just grow louder over the next couple of weeks as the Jets finish up this campaign and get ready for that final meeting with the media at the end of the season, and then everyone goes their separate ways incredibly in just a couple of weeks. Yeah, um, I know they got a couple of games left, but going over to Money Puck, uh, they have the Jets at zero percent to make the playoffs <laughs> not mathematically eliminated though so you know it's between zero percent and point one and i mean i kind of agree with <laughs> joe i mean the team has been selling that they're in a playoff chase for weeks when we all know that it was uh not on the ice for... what do you mean not like... on the ice oh no oh, their play sorry yeah. selling <laughs> by with their mouth yes by talking about a playoff chase that's what i mean not on the ice i mean they've been playing like yeah it's been over for a while going back here so i'm not going to disagree if there was they, any question about whether any of that was legit you go back to watch that detroit game and uh it, you know listen we knew all, all we needed to know at that point and uh and hey listen uh, you know in some ways maybe this is a good thing i mean uh i you know as i said i mean if you're one of those people that's worrying about one draft slot or two maybe the jets get a bit better of a draft pick going on i think mm -hmm. we all know where they're going to be probably in that here in and around you know 10 11 12 13 something like that um but to me i i think and i think and this is the reason why i think those comments were so important on the weekend ream was that if there was and again i i really do feel um that there is a realization and acceptance within the organization that this is broken and there's you know aggressive moves need to be made to fix it you know, time will tell whether that is true or not, whether I'm right. Um, but when you hear comments like Paul Stastny's and Kyle Connors, two of the most important players in the team, and Stastny, a guy we've referred to many times as the conscience of the team, um, the more games like we saw on the weekend and the more comments we heard from key players, I think it's less and less, never mind likely, even possible that they could go forward trying to essentially just make a few minor changes and expect a different result next season. Yeah, I want to play these Kyle Connor clips because I enjoyed, I mean, his big one was commenting on lack of motivation. And then he basically, you know, said you should be looking at Tampa and see what, what they're doing. I'll, I'm going to play those right here, but yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah, you know what? I forget what I, what I was going to say, but yeah, I think big, I think people want to see big changes. I think, a lot of people were seeing Jed know this has kind of been a slow decline here for the last couple of years. And I think it is, I am looking forward to what's going to happen after the season. I mean, do we see something like the day after cleanup? And I kind of agree with Jeff. I forgot who's the who no shows question. I don't know if we're going to put bets in on who no shows. And I saw someone in chat say, you know, are you allowed to do that? Well, I remember I think Perot walked out last year and didn't speak. I think Enstrom in 2019. Buff sure as hell didn't talk in 2019. I'll tell you that much. Mm. So, and we <laughs> I still, believe. I mean, people still haven't heard from them. And one thing I want to say, I'm happy that no one has brought up uh, Bufflin in chat today. I'm shocked because on Kenny and Randy post game on Saturday, people were saying how Buff screwed the team. He did screw them, I think, the year after, but it's been four years. You've had plenty of time here 
to recover. Well, um, and that's so what I'm not... all, that all of last season yeah. was about. That I mean, bringing in Brendan Dillon and bringing in Nate Schmidt. Right? Mm-hmm. Listen, was, I was as guilty as anyone of thinking, okay, the things that they lost when they, you know, when Dustin Bufflin walked out was, you know, a big physical defenseman. And, you know, and maybe as importantly, someone to bring a little bit of joy and fun in the room and, you know, make this team, you know, hopefully enjoy themselves a little bit more. And uh, listen, it just hasn't worked out the way that they'd thought. But um, yeah, listen, this is not about buff anymore. This is about the the 2021-2022 Winnipeg Jets, where they're at right now and where they go through. Let's hear these clips from Connor. Why don't you go six first and then seven? Sure thing. Here we, here we go. Yeah, it's um, they're a tough losses, you know, two really good teams, um, you know, at the same time, giving up that many goals, um, you know, not coming out the right way, giving up a lead in Tampa, they're tough losses, um, you know, especially in Florida too, giving up, you know, two goals right away, um, you know, it seems like we're almost deflated in that game, come back, had a great start, um, you know, just... Just couldn't find it. I don't know whether it's tired, uh, you know, lack of motivation. Sometimes some of the guys in the room, or you know what it is. It's um, you know we're definitely you know frustrated group here, and you know it's tough. Yeah, there's a slight chance, but there is a chance to make playoffs here, and you know two critical games, and you know we put up that kind of effort. Yeah, um, you know it's something that I've. You know, I think we should take a page out of their book, you know, watch some video, see what they're doing well. I think we can learn all as a group, um, you know, take a look in the mirror, every single one of us, um, you know, top to bottom and um, realize that, you know, we got a ways to go here. So there is Kyle Connor um, discussing what they need to do. I, I have yeah. to admit, I laughed about that one for a couple reasons. Um, oh, hold on one, just one, one sec. I, I was muted there. So that clip was, uh, I'll just paste this in the podcast. That was Kyle Connor. Talking about using Tampa as a uh, as a measuring stick. Uh, sorry, I'm I yeah, got, I'm two strikes for me today. It's two strikes. That's okay. We're we're only yeah. I see. Yeah, there's just two. Yeah, Schickster has a three mute button thing. No, we're we're only at I'm two only right at two. now. He's he's I'm not quite out. Um, you know, with that comment about looking at some video and seeing what teams like Tampa is doing, I, I had to I think. Uh, can you imagine being the Jets' video coach this year? Like just the video from the disasters in front of Connor Hellebuck from this weekend, probably you could have put together a nice three-hour session to uh, to talk about with the teams. Never mind looking at video of other teams that are doing things properly. Um, it would be amazing to be able to see exactly what goes on behind the scenes with those video, with those video sessions because, my God, um, tell you what, there's no, no shortage of things to be showing the players going forward, both from a negative perspective on what the team has been doing, uh, as well as what you'd like to see them to do. But uh, it was interesting to hearing Connor, Kyle Connor suggest that, that maybe that's something that they should be doing, um, even though there's only six games left in a very, very long regular season. Yeah, one thing I did want to bring up too, I just really enjoy, I feel bad saying this, but um, before Nikolai Ehlers like, answered his question it was just like this noise coming up here just that that you can just hear the hear the frustration 
I'll say uh, this about Ehlers. He really does care. Joe's right. I mean, you know, when we talk about some of the things that the Jets, uh, you know, sometimes can't get out of their own way. I mean, as great as Ehlers has been, and once again, you know, you offensively, he's been the top effective player. You want to talk about, you know, the, the analytic numbers. I mean, he lays the team again. I think it's four years in a row where he has been that guy. Um, but at the same time, I mean, there are some warts on Ehlers' games. I mean, there's been some mm. giveaways, some poor, you know, sometimes it getting a little bit too fancy, putting the puck in an area that essentially turns it over and goes forward. But listen, um, turnovers come in many shapes and sizes, and everyone has had a little bit of a piece, uh, or maybe not a little bit of a piece in that at some point so far this season. I'll say this, though. Um, you know, I really got from Ehlers when we heard from him, Remo, just the, you know, how gut-wrenching this is for uh, for him and and i think we heard that from kyle connor and certainly from paul stasny as well and uh you know when you're hearing those players say things and feel the way they are uh i think it is a pretty interesting uh maybe little bit of a view of what's happening inside right now because it doesn't seem like this team is together for everything that we've been sold this is a great group together um i don't know if anyone's really buying that right now and it's quite clear that this is not just, um, you know, a team that's very, very close to getting it right. Um, and if anything right now, and I think because of the disappointment of the season and regardless of what you hear in the media, everyone knowing that it's over, um, you know, these are real tough games for them to play right now. But, um, you know, they got tested against two of the top teams in the East. And um, I mean, it was, uh, it was no match. And uh Tell you what, I mean, you want to be a competitive team, a playoff team, never mind a true Stanley Cup contender. So many things that have to happen with this club to change from what's happened so far this season, because as we've seen, this team isn't close right now. Yeah, one thing uh, Dave Lowry uh, brought up over and over again on the weekend was that the team keeps trying to get in this habit of getting into these uh, rush games, um, you know, not playing the way that they want them to play. And little track meet yeah a little track meet action and it's not going well Here, here's um dave we haven't you know played too much of dave lowry here's Let's his hear comments jungle dave this is after saturday's loss to tampa uh probably the the biggest thing that uh, we'll take away is that uh if we want to get in to a rush game if we want to trade chances up and down the ice that's probably not the strength of our hockey team and that uh, when we play what we deem the right way, where we play in straight lines, and, and when I talk about playing in straight lines, it's about attacking, and it's about attacking with speed. It's about getting pucks inside, getting to the net. When we play that way, we give ourselves a chance. And, and when we start going up and down and, and you know, giving and taking, it's not going to play to to our advantage. That goes without saying, uh, as far as what we've seen so far this year, but we can talk about attacking all we want and about what they're doing offensively. I mean, certainly on Saturday, they scored four goals in their first 11 shots. I mean, I'm far more concerned with their inability to cover properly in their own end. I mean, you know, some of the goals that were scored this weekend, this goes back to what Stastny had said. I mean, they continue to leave their goaltender they're all-star level goaltender just basically hanging them out to dry and you know a lot of the things that dave lowry i think is talking about being simple when it comes to you know what they're doing offensively um it probably would take a far longer and more detailed answer to talk about what the heck is going wrong and continues to go wrong in their own end and why that's happening 
Yeah, he kind of said the same thing. Um, said the same thing both days that you know he wants. I mean, to- what's he gonna say right now? Well, I really do. I sort of feel for Lowry right now. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he's a dead man walking. Um, you know, it's a unique situation. The fact that his son is on the team as well. And I think that complicates things a little bit. I mean, I think both of them are professional. We haven't seen anything that really, but I mean, that is a part of it as well. And, you know, as disappointing as this is for everyone in that dressing room, it's got to be incredibly disappointing for Dave Lowry, who I think when he took over this job, thought that maybe this was the opportunity that, you know, he'd been working for, for a number of years and, you know, with what's happened and what hasn't happened on his watch, I think it's pretty clear that, um, you know, the way the organization almost has to go, even if at the beginning of this arrangement, they didn't think that that was the plan. Yeah, I agree. I thought, you know, it seemed like a good opportunity. Maurice took the team as far as he could go, and he thought Lowry could take them to, you know, another level that it kind of flatlined and, you know, is it just him? Is it the whole coaching staff? But I think more interestingly, does the organization think that Kevin Cheveldayoff is the guy to lead this team going forward after 11 seasons? You haven't had, you've had, you know, one year of a, a lot of success. I think 2019 is, is what the next year after. But other than those two, when I mean, you kind of lucked into the play-in game in the shortened season, and last year you were in the, you know, in that division, uh, the Canadian division, and maybe you got kind of lucky with the scheduling. So. Uh, we'll wait and see. It's, it is going to be interesting. I know we do have a game. There is a game tomorrow we haven't even touched on. I mean, the team practiced today. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois was banged up. He uh, took a maintenance day. I'll just go over the lines. I mean, they're playing the Rangers. It'll be interesting how Andrew Kopp revenge game. How's he's been lighting it up with the yeah. Rangers? Hey, listen, just before you do that, yeah. get that ready. Maul, if you wonder why people are mentioning that you're tro- a troll sometimes, and I often do really enjoy your takes and love having you around, it's Comments like the one that you're throwing at me in the chat right now, which is all caps trolling. This goes back to a comment seven periods into Dave Lowry's tenure. Uh, There was the game against Washington where everything had happened. They beat St. Louis the next day, had two weeks, two and a half weeks off, had that tough first period against Vegas in a game that they won. And... You know, some people on on uh, on Twitter saying, oh, this is garbage. He's done. Is it unreasonable to give someone more than 140 minutes behind the bench to see what they're going to do? I don't think so. Um, like, do you think Euler fans made a complete decision on, ta- on uh, Woodcroft after seven periods? Of course not. So anyways, it's absolutely ridiculous. I would hope that anyone would give anyone a chance of more than three games to show that, you know, what they're doing now, where we are right now. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's pretty clear right now, but anyway, stop going to that. It was a stupid comment then, and it's just as stupid now, even with the body of information that we have over the last half of the season. Thank you very much. Anyways, Remus, let's get to... I was, uh, was going to say, I, I do enjoy Mall, Mall Priest is coming in hot, but I mean... <laughs> oh, for sure. It's just I, not like, like... Is that a bad take? Maybe give a guy more than seven periods before we act as judge, jury, and executioner? I think that's somewhat reasonable. I don't know. Maybe I, that's just me. I don't get so angry. I, I know <laughs> Mom Parise has not called himself a troll. Look, man, I, I said put your real name on if you don't want to be considered a troll. And, <laughs> and you got there. He People are laughing that he baited you into that one. He uh, did. So he did bait me into it. it. But anyways, I just figured I, if people are wondering what that is about... I figured yeah. that maybe we give the guy more than seven periods. And by the way, they won three, the next three games. So anyways, 
We all well, know that it's th- probably not Jungle Dave's job going forward. So I think we can all agree on that and and move forward into tomorrow's yeah. game. Yes, the uh, the uh, reuniting with their old pals Andrew Kopp and Jacob Trubin, a very different situation. That's what's happening here in Winnipeg. An exciting team that is getting ready for the playoffs. And I think we're all going to be sort of silently pulling, maybe not so silently pulling for the Rangers because they could somehow win two rounds. One of those two second round picks for Andrew Kopp will become a first rounder. Yeah, we are pulling for the Rangers, 100%. Come on, got to get that uh, extra pick. So uh, I'm maybe tomorrow, the uh, I don't know. I guess we're pulling for them in the playoffs, right? But we'll have to wait and see Win tomorrow. two rounds and then <laughs> whatever. Yeah, and there we go. Uh, the lines today were, thanks Mitch Clinton, was like the only person there. Mike McIntyre supposed to be on the trip, but delayed from the uh, storm of the century that happened last week. Uh, that's what it was. Uh, Connor <laughs> potential, St- potential, alleged yes. storm yes. of the century. Connor uh, Stasny Ehlers, uh, Sanford Brooks Wheeler. I'm assuming Brooks is a placeholder for Dubois. Baron Lowry Appleton. Baron moving down. Harkins, Tony Nato, Svechnikov. And I'm just going with the same D pairings that they have had. I mean, I don't know what they're going to be, but Morrissey, DeMello, Schmidt, Pionk, Stanley, Dunn. I don't know what they were, but that's what they've been. Stanley going in for Sandberg, who we all thought played very well and has played well in the lineup, but. Uh, Dave Lowry said after Saturday's game, it was just it's time to get Stan in. And they had to get him in, and he played on Saturday. Yeah, he even, even dropped a big Stan in the uh, yes. <laughs> in the postgamer as well. Well, let me just say this. If Dylan Sandberg's play got him out of the lineup on Saturday, considering what we saw on Sunday, I don't know how the hell he's not back in the lineup. And whether you want to take Logan Stanley out, he'd probably be at the top of the list or one of the other guys, considering there's six games left in the season. And you mentioned that that number is now zero. Uh, although there's not an X beside them as being officially eliminated, I have no idea how it benefits every, anyone to have Dylan Sandberg up in the press box. And if he's not going to be there, get it back to the moose, getting ready for the Calder Cup playoffs. Yeah, I think that's something we're going to be watching, you know, the player usage. You know, Neil Pionk, I think we I thought he played pretty well on Saturday offensively. But, um, you know, he's we speculated he's been kind of banged up this year. Let some of these guys play who've made an impact or let them play with the moose. Uh, Connor Hellbuck's workload, I think, has been a topic as well. Uh, you know, he's played the most minutes out of any goalie the last couple of years. He's faced the most high danger chances. Uh, time to give this guy rest. I've kind of, I'm still shocked. You know, he started the back-to-back games the last two weekends. I, I'm still puzzled why he didn't start that game against Toronto. Now, like, I don't know if it would have made a difference. I'm just, I'm just curious about, you know, why he would start, you know, one back-to-back. Seemingly, the Toronto one was was more important. So. If there was ever a time that you thought at that, and, and listen, if it's all about the playoffs, their their possibility, albeit still slim, was far greater at that point than yeah. it was at any point over the past week when he got those back-to-back starts. So, again, no idea about that. I, I don't even have a, a theory on it, to be perfectly honest, because, you know, there were other times earlier in the season when there was a lot more to play for, where Comrie went into games where I firmly thought that Connor Hellebuck would get the start. And listen, to Comrie's credit, when he's been in, for the most part, he's played very well. Certainly has exceeded, I think, what most people thought the Jets would get out of that backup position. Um, but it has been very curious as to, you know, the way that they've utilized those goal, uh, the goaltending. And then I heard Ken say he thinks that, you know, Eric Comrie's going to get or should get five of the final six games of the season. I highly doubt that that will happen. Um, I guess I'm here for Eric Comrie getting a few more games for sure. Uh, but listen, we know it's Connor Hellebuck's net more often than not. Maybe he's, you know, pleading with the coaches to to keep him in. 
Um, but man, if you saw, if you watched till the end of the game on Saturday, and in about the last half minute of the game, when it was seven four, and Hellebuck was out of the net on the bench, he was in the hallway, uh, just sort of standing in the hallway, looking back with the gaze on the game. And I don't know, it was a, uh, it was just a very interesting shot that kind of stayed in my mind of um you know just what he must be thinking right now what he's been put through the last couple of the games in particular um because we know he's a very positive person when we think about you know when in the last couple of times he won the helmet he kept on hammering let's go make the playoffs uh let's start better next time guys trying to call to, uh you know push them on board but um they need to they need to play as much for their goaltender as each other right now and that hasn't happened and uh Needless to say, next year, that will be at the top of the list to uh, help out a guy that has been the backbone of this organization for a number of years now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So I think he's probably deserving of a rest. Maybe he won't want to take one, but you know, when the guy started as many games as he has and the team's out of the playoffs, I don't think you have anything to gain by playing him unless maybe he's got some contract bonuses for games played, which I would think, I mean, he's already, he's, Head, but uh, how can he not have hit them already? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so we'll, I guess that's something to watch uh, as we as we go forward. No doubt about it. Hey, listen, um, uh, hey, quickly, we do got to get to cool bet lines. A um, couple other things I want to get to coming out of the weekend as well, and maybe we'll kind of tie all that into the last few minutes of the program. Uh, but a uh, uh, big shout out. I don't know if you uh, folks have got your hands yet on the new CC and Ginger. I did on the weekend, uh, and it was exactly as I expected. Amazing. Uh, and I didn't have to mix anything as well. Six packs of CC and ginger are available in your liquor stores now. You can pick it up at beer stores as well. And if you are going into your Manitoba Liquor Marts, uh, 26 of the biggest stores right now have CC displays where you'll get a free can of the RTD ready to drink CC and ginger ale with the purchase of any Canadian club product. And all month long, the 1750 MLs are on sale at your local Manitoba liquor marts. And make sure to be with us on Friday with another marble race here on Winnipeg sports talk uh, with great prize and courtesy of our friends over at Canadian club. Um, we will get to these cool bet lines, Rebo, and I'm looking forward to, Checking out the hoops games tonight. We'll get to the line in a minute, but a tough start for the Raptors and even worse, Scotty Barnes, rookie phenom for the Raps in a walking boot today. He is out for game number two. It looks like they're also going to be without Gary Trent Jr. and Thaddeus Young. There's a lot of optimism that the Raptors might be able to upset the Sixers in this series, uh, but the start of it was not good. The team played you know, one of their worst games in a long time from my from my perspective. Um, and now have three key players, especially Scotty Barnes, out for game two. Not getting any easier for Nick Nurse's squad. Yeah, and I'm looking at the line here. Uh, Sixers favored by seven and a half. So, I mean, they're, they're built to go far. Uh, they couldn't quite get past Milwaukee last year. Added James Harden for uh, Ben Simmons and... Harden's decided that he wants to play. So, yeah, you know, Scotty Barnes a big loss for uh, Toronto and still going to tune in uh, tune in tonight to this one. Yeah, 6.30 start wraps, uh, plus 270 on the money line if you think they can shock the Sixers. Uh, other games tonight, two other ones. Mavs still dealing 
with the Utah Jazz without Luka Doncic. They are five and a half point home underdogs without their star. Uh, the Jazz, a road favorite of minus 213 against the depleted Mavs, looking to go 2-0. and And the Warriors, after a comfortable victory in game one, look to go to 2-0 and against the Denver Nuggets tonight in the late game. That one starts uh, over at 9 p.m. As far as the National Hockey League, we actually do have some games tonight, sixth of them to be exact. Um, Dallas Stars could get just a little step closer to officially eliminating the Winnipeg Jets of the win tonight against the Canucks. That uh, was a very close one. Dallas minus 111, Vancouver minus 105 at home. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are a heavy favorite at minus 323 to beat the New Jersey Devils. Uh, you got two teams ready to golf in Ottawa and Seattle playing each other. Ottawa, a very, Ottawa minus 102, Seattle a slight home favorite. Carolina minus 400 on the road against the Coyotes who were embarrassed 9-1 to the Calgary Flames on the weekend. Flames, for their part, in Chicago tonight as a heavy favorite, minus 312 on the road. And the Avalanche hosting the Capitals, Colorado, minus 217. And here's a very interesting note coming out of the weekend, Remo, and I'm not sure whether this has ever happened before. 22 games in the NHL from Friday until yesterday. Favorites went 22-0. and uh, so if you had a big chalk parlay on the weekend, you were probably cashing it. Um, uh, a lot of the underdogs pretty much done for the season right now. Um, many people would have thought that's the way the Jets looked against the Panthers and Lightning for the majority of those games. And uh, certainly the Coyotes looked like they were done on Saturday. Um, but a lot of these bottom teams are just getting whooped as you get closer to that final game, uh, number 82. Yeah, weird. Uh... Weird to even read that, that all the underdogs are lost on the weekend. I guess we'll wait and see going forward. It is that time where teams getting eliminated. I'm seeing more and more teams clinching the playoff spots, although kind of been, especially in the East, you know who's going to be in. But I see, look at the schedule now. You got Carolina, Rangers, Pittsburgh, Florida, Toronto, Tampa, all clinch, Boston, Washington. East has, has been decided. It was um, decided at Halloween. That's, I mean, that's that's the, that's the thing about this season. It literally was done in November. We knew the eight teams that were going to be taking place in the East side. Little different in the West, um, but as we said, it's coming right down to Dallas and Nashville looking to clinch their spots. Winnipeg done. Vancouver essentially done. And uh, we'll find out really whether it's going to be the Vegas Golden Knights or the Los Angeles Kings. Vegas does have a game in hand on LA. They're three points back, and the Kings hanging on by dear life right now. I'm sure if I'm the Oilers, I would prefer the Kings hang on and get them in the first round. Um, but it will be probably Vegas and the Golden Knights getting right down to uh, the end. And, you know, Nashville and Dallas, I think, both control their own destiny. I think we expected both wildcard teams to come from the Central Division most of the year. And it certainly is looking like that will be the case based on the remaining schedules. Yeah, well, so we'll wait, wait and see. Yeah, one thing I do want to say: I watched the Seattle. This is a side note. I'm, I watched the Seattle New Jersey overtime on Saturday. Like, why am I watching two teams out of the playoff? The fantasy <laughs> purpose, but might might have been the most boring um, three on three overtime. Uh, this is my hot take: a three on three overtime. It's it's toasted. They figured it out. There's too much not attacking. Standing around, it's all spent in the neutral zone regrouping. You know, if you see something you don't like, you just turn around. It's got to be longer than than five minutes, or I don't make some rule. You can't take it behind 
the the red line once you've entered the zone because teams have they figured it out. It's it was annoying to watch teams just like dick around and and not even try to attack and just just there's no there's no change. doubt there has been you know once the coaching got into it um you know there's a very different approach by many teams to three on three overtime and there's other teams that just feel that they've got a better chance to win in a shootout than they do in three on three and yeah. are more than happy at draining the uh, draining the clock and maybe Jersey and Seattle would be on top by the way speaking of Seattle did you see the additions to their ownership group today yeah Marsh Seattle mm-hmm. legends Marshawn Lynch and Macklemore. I mean, how much are these guys putting in? What stake are they getting? It's probably minuscule. There was a video of Marshawn Lynch driving a Zamboni around. That was amazing. Just uh, basically doing big donuts in the middle yeah. of the rink. I was sure that that was going to end with him crashing the Zamboni into the boards, but I was, it didn't happen. I was very worried for uh, the condition of the ice after that. I don't know if they had the flutters or the term on, but. I mean, Seattle's done a great job marketing their team. They've had a lot of excitement, even though the team is terrible, and I think they screwed up on, on the expansion draft, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. Although Matty Berniers, who they picked, he's signed, and I thought he looked pretty good from what I saw in the brief viewing on Saturday. Yeah, but nice to get him into the lineup, a little bit of excitement for the future. I mean, first year, listen, Vegas screwed the expectations up of any expansion team probably forever in the National Hockey League right now, although I am with you. I think that Seattle could have been a lot better if maybe they'd made some different choices when it came to the expansion draft, potential moves. Uh, but in a lot of ways, Vegas sort of ruined it for Seattle because no one wanted to trade with Ron Francis. He had his picks. He had his price. No one met it. And they just went ahead and, and made a number of picks, including guys they were picking, knowing that they'd never be with the uh, club and then moving over to free agency. But uh, anyways, Marshawn Lynch now and Macklemore, minority owners of the thir- Team 32 in the NHL, the Seattle Crack. I'm trying to think, like, what's the... Like, what would be the Winnipeg equivalent, giving, like, Burton Cummings and Chris Jericho small stake in the, in the Jets? I mean, what's, what's the, what would be the Winnipeg equivalent? So I, I always had a good time. Maybe because I was listening to the Jericho podcast. Jericho, on the Jericho and Kenny Omega, maybe? Yeah. Put them in. Guys, give, give them ownership. Give, give them their spot. Uh, anyways, all the lines for CoolBet up at CoolBet.com. Uh, if you have never used CoolBet before, use the promo code WST for a uh, one, 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. Hey, one other quick note. Um, Jays uh, won yesterday, split on the weekend. Very angry Jays fans with the umpiring on Saturday. Tell me if you've heard that before. Um, they're off today. But this series up against the uh, Red Sox, going to be interesting to see how it works. Red Sox apparently have a bunch of unvaxxed players. And today, reportedly, a bunch of masks in around the group. So I think they're dealing with COVID as well. And uh, that could be a real issue for many teams, but especially ones that have a high number of unvaccinated players. going to be tough for them because you got to have that pass to get into Canada still. Yeah, that's the, uh, I think, going to be the story for teams facing the Jays. Not for the Jays, though, who all every player in their team did get vaccinated. So, I mean, they're not going to have any, any issues. I do mm-hmm. wonder if they'll have a... I don't, can you get still get stuck? I'm not up to date on, on the travel rules if you can get stuck if you if you test. I I forget, but uh, I know players, you know, US players not vaccinated won't be able to come in. So and just gonna be an interesting story for the Jays season and you're kind of seeing that play out with the Raptors um playoffs. I know there's 
one player in the 76ers uh, who's not able to play. So yeah, I wish it was a, Joel Embiid. That would not, be nice. Yeah, not, he was still doing his own research and uh, decided not to get it done. It was unavailable for the games north of the border. Anyways, we'll talk some Jays tomorrow on the program. Get ready for the series. Get the latest on that. Of course, the Jets do have a game day tomorrow. Mike McIntyre is going to join us for his thoughts on uh, you know these final six games and maybe more of um, you know interested again. I know Mike's got a piece in the free press on what we've been talking quite a bit about what exactly we heard from members of the Winnipeg Jets last or Saturday night and Friday night post those two tough losses in uh, in Florida. Um, so it will be a game day tomorrow. We'll have more on the Jays. And of course, we are going to be getting ready for playoff hockey at the Ice Cave. Congratulations to the Winnipeg Ice, the number one team in the WHL. Um, Matt Savoy, Rookie of the Year. He and Carson Lambos, Players of the Year right now. And I guess we'll find out as well what they're going to do with those Carson Lambos bobbleheads. I imagine they'll give them out for a playoff game because they were supposed to give them out on Thursday. And then those two games got shifted to Regina because of the storm. So we'll get into the ice for the rest of the week as they begin the playoffs on the weekend. And then two weeks from now, the Moose will finish up their season and there will be playoff hockey downtown. Got a chance to take in the game yesterday. Not a great game for Manitoba. They ended up losing and it was a split against Rockford on the weekend. Uh, but they're booked for the postseason. Check out moosehockey.com for information on playoff tickets. Um, should be a lot of fun. I'll be looking forward to getting out to some of those games. Great show today. Thanks to everyone, even you, Maul, in chat. A lot of fun with everyone joining us today on YouTube. Thanks to everyone listening on the podcast as well. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that red subscribe button and be back with us tomorrow live at 1 p.m. on YouTube. Big thanks to all the sponsors that make this program happen, including Wallace & Wallace, Aikens Lake, F Apparel, Breezy Bend, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, our friends over at Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. Folks, have a great night tonight. We'll be back tomorrow with another packed episode of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily right here on YouTube and in your podcast feed tomorrow afternoon. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.